destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh-huh. 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 And it's just us for this episode of the no, podcast. No true. one else is joining us. Not just true. Larry and this me. This is as going to be is. a mess. Uh, even more than usual. <laughs> But you know uh-huh. that's, that's that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> welcoming back to the show, friend of the show, rotating third chair, Dylan is here. Because hello, yeah, thank you for finally saying that after your cue. <laughs> um, you know, satellite delay—that's the problem. Yeah, uh, because there's we got things to talk about this week. I'm not there's excited about, about this any of it, really, but. Well, we promised to get to a Larry thing at some point in this episode yeah. just because, you, look, we had to watch the Justice League. We committed to it. Mm. I made Dylan a promise to play the Sonic Adventures. Yeah, this is this is this just is like the podcast. All, this is all of your horrible decisions coming due. <laughs> to be right. fair, when I, when, I, when I wanted you to play Sonic Adventure, I did not want you to take it as far as you did. No, I'm into the sicko shit, Dylan. I thought I would approve this by beating the System Shocks, or the Gexes, but apparently I had to go a step further, so everyone could just understand what kind of a maniac I am. I have to know, well, we'll we'll get to Sonic Adventure, but I have to know the depths of your depravity. Oh, it's it's deep. Uh, But first, we got news. News! Which is... It's great because we had no news at all while we were planning this episode out, and then in the last two days, it's just been nonstop news. Uh, so I guess probably we should start on the PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita stores. They're going offline in July. At least that's the rumor right now. I don't think it's actually been confirmed at the time of this recording, but it seems to be a sure thing that these are just going to go away here in yeah, a few months. Yeah, I think the official thing was just that said, like, in a few months, like not any time in particular. I don't know. Yeah. I well, didn't click through the article. Also... It's, gonna, it's too depressing. Yeah. Well, there's also uh, this tweet that's been circulating by Imran Khan, uh, where he is quoting uh, Jim Ryan uh, in an interview with uh, with Time. It says, when we've dabbled with backwards compatibility, I can say it's one of those features that isn't much requested, but not actually used much. Sony head of global sales Jim Ryan said this week to Time. Understandable enough, but then he goes on. That and I was at a Gran Turismo event recently where they had PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 games, he continued. And the PS1 and PS2 games, they looked ancient. Why would anybody play this? So Jim Ryan's just probably back there pulling the plug on those stores. Just putting his back into it. He's got one foot on the wall trying to get that fucker out of there. Right, now later I'm going to be in the shower slapping my hand on the wall screaming, Jimmy! (laughs) All comes back to Goodfellas. Yeah. 
I got a bunch of old PlayStation 1 games in that shop over there. Just go in and help yourself. <laughs> Jim Ryan down the street is trying to wreck me. <laughs> You're supposed to be laying low. You're out here buying PS5s and putting them on eBay. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Kaz Horizon there is going to shoot me in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, this is, of course, very bad. Uh, I think what's a little bit funny about this to me is I was watching uh, Analog Frontiers. It's a miniseries that uh, My Life in Gaming is doing that's documenting uh, efforts in the community to preserve old games. And each episode gets into a kind of specific thing. The last one was emulation. And uh, one of the people they were interviewing was just like, man, can you imagine when the PlayStation 3 story goes down, like what that's going to mean for games preservation? And then a week later, <laughs> this yeah. gets announced. So it's, of course, very bad because there are a lot of digital-only games on that storefront that there's really no way to play. And worse still is the fact that if they take off the ability to synchronize the clock on the console, those games will just be inaccessible whether or not you've downloaded them. And eventually when the CMOS on the system goes out, you're just not going to be able to play them anyway. Like when that cool. goes, you won't even be able to use discs. Great. So good oh, times. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Uh, there to is... Calling All Cars, the last good game David Jaffe made. <laughs> uh, I want to read you a tweet here, real quick. All right. Uh, this is the inep This is the inevitable digital future. At some point, all digital storefronts will cease to exist, replaced by newer technology or storefronts. Digital purchases are not forever. Hashtag Forever Physical. This was tweeted out by Limited Run Games. Yep. I wanted to share that because I find yep. that very funny. Yep, I knew that was because the Forever Fiscal is their thing. I'll just go pay, a, what is it, $80 for No More Heroes uh -huh. 1? Yep, might get your game in about half a year. Yeah, sure. Christ. I like how you did the, the opposite of e what you usually I'm... do, by the way, and you've just like gotten louder as this has gone on. I've had to turn you down. Oh, great. Uh, I'm just, I'm very... I'm very passionate. I can tell you're a passionate, passionate man. <laughs> That's right. He he's not going to be able to play Fat Princess anymore, and it's breaking his little heart. <laughs> oh my heart. god! I hadn't even considered that, Dylan. What the fuck? Not even fistful of cake. What's everything? Oh. This is this is a tragedy. Are you telling me I'll not be able to get online someday and share my little big planet levels with people? You won't even be able to if play. George... You won't be able to download the Andy Dick character for Pain. Oh, oh no! What about Pain? Yeah, exactly. I can't get that George on. George can't like... play Explosion Man. The well, neighborhood's gonna suffer. You can play that on Xbox. That's true. But I won't be able to download it from Xbox Live anymore because now it'll be Xbox Network. Ooh, good segue. Oh, yeah. No, they uh, are doing this, I guess, as part of their reversal on raising the price of Xbox Live. I guess it's to tie into like a rebranding to make it clear that like what this is this is just supposed to indicate this is the Xbox online ecosystem. It is not a specific service, uh, and I guess part of that is to not confuse people into thinking they need an Xbox Live subscription to be able to play free-to-play games. Okay. It's weird, but I think it also like speaks to Xbox's complete inability to have any kind of cohesion with the naming of their products and their services. 
Because this just makes everything even more confusing for that's, me. That's weird because like Xbox Live was just the thing in general. Xbox Live Gold was the subscription. And it's not really any yeah. different than having PlayStation Network, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know now if it, it still is, there's an Xbox Live subscription and you need that to play games that you I think purchase so. that have online well, components. That's the way I understood it, but I might be wrong. I think you do. Like... Although that was kind of the rumor was that they were going to be getting rid of gold entirely and just like merging it with Game Pass, but that yeah, hasn't Game happened Pass yet. Ultimate is pretty much that thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. But I'm saying like yeah. I, I, there were rumors that that was going to be the only option going forward. But yeah, not that so would far. make sense to me if that's what they did. Maybe this is just like the first step towards doing that. Maybe. I think it is. Anyway. It's not much to actually say about that. They're just naming it something worse, and it kind of just makes their whole like subscription scheme even more confusing to me than it already is. Uh, frankly, I don't know why you wouldn't just go with Game Pass Ultimate anyway, since then you're able well, to play stuff online and you get the benefits of Game Pass. If you don't care about Game Pass stuff, would be the reason. What like if kind you're of one... monster? No, like there are a lot well, of people that's... out there who only get like Call of Duty or Madden or something and just play that online all year. And so Tell me they don't want to play Luna Knights for free? Get out of here. Well they should. <laughs> Cod fans Come love on. Luna Knights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, who who do you think their favorite Toho is? I don't know. I didn't commit any of the names to memory because I didn't want to become a Toho freak. Uh, Every Call of Duty step. fan they love they love Call of Duty, they love Toho, they love this guy, uh <laughs> yeah, big fans I mean, of Laharl. <laughs> as they should be. Mm -hmm. No, I I get it. There are people who are going to have a very like limited scope on the games that they want to play. But my still, question game, was, what's game the, pass difference? Is the best deal in gaming right now? So what's the price difference? Because at a certain point, it's like, well, why not just get the Game Pass with it if it's only maybe like four bucks more? Uh, it's more than I... that. Um, but I don't remember exactly what it is. I want I think to say I paid fifteen bucks. Yeah, I, when I, I had think it. I think Game Pass Ultimate's like fifteen dollars a month. I yeah. don't know what gold would be monthly if you did it that way, but it's like yeah, sixty for sure. a year. But I mean, that also like I think got me access to some other stuff too. Like I think it had a Disney Plus subscription bundled in with that or uh, something. They do that stuff sometimes. They'll just like get you a month of it or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of that is like they consistently have something else bundled in with it or what, but like well, at the time I did it, it had a Disney Plus thing. Yeah, so. it's not really bundled with it. It's just that every month they'll have new perks or something that you can get, and mm. they'll also do stuff like free to play games. Like they every month they have a pack for uh, Fantasy Star Online two, um, and they'll have stuff for other games like that, Apex and whatnot. Well. Still, rest in peace to Xbox Live. Yeah, I have a. I still have my Xbox Live card. I got it in like oh. you know, 2006 or seven or whenever that was, with my uh, Xbox Live gamer tag on it. <clears throat> oh. It's a cool looking it card though. Official. Yeah. I don't. I don't what was I your Xbox Live gamer tag from 2006? I'm not gonna tell you. Is <laughs> he still using it? <laughs> I'm not actually. I finally changed it like a few months ago. Yeah, I did the same thing a while back. I finally changed mine to not be the handle I'd been using since I was like 16 years old. Yep. That's still like associated with my email, 
Yep. And then everything, of course, is linked to that. So I have to repeatedly tell people on the phone, like a really embarrassing, dumb sounding handle. Yeah, me it's too. It's just stuck with me. Yeah, hate it. Yeah, you know. Uh, Nintendo Switch Pro. There's uh, some more rumors circulating about that. Uh, Larry <sighs> tried to tell me that we shouldn't talk about it because we shouldn't engage in rumors. And I had to explain that's all we did when it came to the new consoles. Well, no. So it's, we need to be consistent. Just, for one thing, it's mostly that I don't care, and also sure. it kind of just sounds fake. It it does because it sounds like maybe. So the the thing is that they're going to use a new graphics chip, uh, which will allow DLSS, which is how they would be able to get you know 4K streaming while the console's docked. It's not streaming. Uh, not streaming. I'm sorry, but it's how they would get the 4K while the console is docked. Uh, they. <laughs> the way this sounds to me though is just if you're again if you're doing this why not just make a new console at this point because i'm not sure what else is really coming out for the switch that we need to have a pro for uh it says that certain code would need to be enabled in games to be able to make use of dlss so it would mostly be for stuff that has yet to come out because it's nintendo and there's no way that they would put that code into their old games come on they're not going back and updating mario odyssey for this this also just, I don't, I don't care, I guess, is kind of my main take for all this. Like, if it comes out, great, whatever. There won't be any games I care about for it, so. You tell me you don't want to play an open-world Pokemon game, Larry. You know, I that might. needs DLSS. Yeah, yeah, that needs a lot. <laughs> needs, yes. Um, Christ, um... Uh... I would be maybe into an open-world Pokemon game, but not that one. Mm. Tell me you don't want to play Metroid Prime 1 through 3 in 4K? Oh, sure I would, but that won't happen. No. You you kind of mentioned... So your prediction, because you made this on Twitter and on this podcast, that since this is the anniversary for Metroid, this year they would put out that Prime trilogy. Yeah. Uh, my prediction is they don't do anything at all. Okay. It's a very likely <laughs> outcome, just, considering everything. Yeah, what if Nintendo's they do something deli- What if they do something deliberately spiteful and release other M? That was yeah. my other prediction. <laughs> that yeah, I sure. Told Larry Why not? Private was like, yeah, other M would be a possibility. I think most likely is just they don't do anything. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the thing last... with the Switch Pro is that huh? I actually like. I actually want to play Breath of the Wild 2, but I don't want to play it on Nintendo's hardware because yeah. <laughs> it runs like total shit on their hardware. Yeah. I still it's think like, Breath I'd rather, of the Wild. I'd rather just wait for it to emulate. Yeah. Hmm. I still think Breath of the Wild 2 would... Well, if they're really going through with the Pro, then I guess their next console is going to be a ways out. But our prediction that we've made on the podcast repeatedly has been that that would be a game that is kind of a cross-generational thing for them as a lot of Zelda games have been in the past. Yeah, it, uh, it would just they... be the same thing as Breath of the Wild 1, where technically yeah. it still came out on Wii U, but that version really sucked, and so you would <laughs> really want to get on the next console, whatever that would be, which Even still sucked. Even though the sucked. performance for that game on, yeah, on Switch was still terrible. Uh, but yeah, who, who knows? If they're doing a pro, then I could see that thing making use of like a improved graphics chip if they are, in fact, doing that. Uh, it's Nintendo, so I'd be very surprised if they would actually go out of their way to upgrade the graphics chip and not just the display. It's but just I guess weird. We'll see. It's just weird to me that they keep 
talking about 4K stuff, and they should maybe focus on getting their games to not run like garbage first before they try yeah. to tackle that. Yeah, it's one of the things you used to be able to count on Nintendo for is that the quality of their games was pretty consistent. They really put the time in to make sure that those played good. The Not Nintendo anymore. Seal of quality. Well, it all went downhill when they changed that to just the Nintendo Seal. Yeah. They were like, we're not going to guarantee quality anymore. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that, actually, because I have been playing Breath of the Wild on my PC. Because mm -hmm. I got it on Wii U when it came out, and I tried it. And I did not like it at all, because it ran like total dog shit. And it was ran at such a low resolution that it just didn't look that great to me. And then I started emulating it, running at 60 FPS at my computer's res native resolution, and it's like a whole different game just unlocked. Oh, sure. I mean, I didn't like the game itself, so I don't think a higher frame rate would yeah. help me with that. But, yeah, like, when playing it I'm on like, the why, intended why platform they, is... is the worst way to experience it, the not great. Yeah. Like, these games are being held hostage on... This, this crappy piece of hardware Yep, but hey, you can take it anywhere If you want to, to You, you can point, lug like, around this 12-inch slab yeah. that, gets, uh, that gets to, like, molten levels of heat Oh, yeah Yeah, it gets real warm That microwaves your hands <laughs> Well, not mine, because I had to get the, uh, the giant controller things So I could actually control it Because the Joy-Cons are the worst controllers ever devised by man Oh yeah, if you got if you have giant mitts, those things must be horrible. Oh yeah, they're terrible. Zero ergonomics. That just can't hold a whopper. It was made for me. Uh, it's perfectly designed uh, ergonomically for my small little baby mittens. It's not yeah, ergonomically I'm like, I'm... designed for anybody. It's just flat. Well, I got my hands stuck in a wheat thresher that one time, and now they're all, like, misshapen, and it's just, it's so comfortable for my horrible mutant hands. <laughs> my fingers bend at 90-degree angles. The switch was made for me. Doing. I don't know either. Uh, we need to move on to the last bit of news, which is, you, you guys will never believe this, but there's a YouTuber, and he's a pervert. What? I know. I was as shocked as you were, Larry. Wow. Uh, this This time... It's another of the game grumps, so <laughs> I mean, not to split not to split hairs, but the last one wasn't a pervert. He yeah. was the, last, the last one wasn't a pervert, yes. He was a horrible racist. Well, not past tense, he's still a racist. Well yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a quieter yeah. racist. Well, yeah, but well sure, because like... he puts like th three videos out a year and like one of them is some fucking clash of clan shit and the other one is flex tape. And then the last one is just low hanging fruit, like Covering something that is now well known on the internet. I'm trying to remember specifically what it was last time, but I'm surprised he still paid attention now to was it. Like covering shit movies. Yeah, but it was a specific movie that, like, uh, it was like some samurai cop level thing where, like, Red Letter Media, I think, specifically did it, and then the internet found out about it, and then like a whole year later, he put his own video out about it, like one Urban of those Sasquatch. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh. But anyway, yeah, this is uh, this time it's Dan from Game Grumps. I've been trying to make sense of the story because it's kind of been changing pretty rapidly, but I, the gist of it is he had been talking to a fan when she was 17. Uh, when she turned 18 up to the age of 22, I guess their communication had got a bit more personal, 
um, were sexual by the age of 22. They had sex, and then he ghosted her, and then the story kind of came out. And so there's been a lot of people bringing up that, okay, well, it's it's grooming because he was in contact with her before she was 18. And then the other argument people are making is, well, they had sex at 22, so what improprietary or what impropriety took place, uh, even though that's still fucking creepy and say. wrong. Uh, he was 38 at that time. Oh, well, see, there He's you go. He's 42 now. Yeah. Still fucking bad. Uh, I made the mistake of engaging in discourse on this on the internet, on Twitter, and I've been getting added by a lot yeah. of sexual predators. Stop screaming into the mic. Uh, yes. Um, see, the mistake you made was not doing what I do anytime I enter a thread like that, which is immediately mute it. Yeah, after immediately mute it. Sending a reply. Yeah. Uh, so. The thing, though, that I also wanted to bring up about this is there was a lot of people tweeting out stuff like, I bet, like, John Tron and Oni is another one. I bet they're laughing now. And it's like, that's your yardstick, you guys? Like, they're both also assholes. I mean, like, John... anytime something like this happens. Yeah, last so... I heard, like, John Tron was tweeting about how the election was stolen or something. <laughs> sure. He's just the game, video game YouTuber version of the My Pillow guy at this point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i don't know that that always strikes me when stuff like this happens is people holding up their youtuber idol of choice and insisting that they're better than whoever the creep of the day is and usually they're all pretty bad just for different reasons yeah i'm trying to we imagine talking about this we were talking about this the other day because i said that when uh the stuff about pro jared being a yeah. creepy weirdo came out uh, everyone what? defending him like confused like it confused me because i was like who watches who watches him and who cares this motherfucker the... who looks like alec baldwin and beetlejuice when he pulled his nose out yeah he looks like <laughs> marty feldman honestly um <laughs> like his actual his actual reviews are uh are like a wikipedia article he just tells you exactly what happens in the game and he's like oh these controls yeah. aren't very good and it's like who cares okay there anyone can me. tell you that Dylan, I have to ask you, I was talking to George on the phone the other day, and I brought this up. Apparently he was not aware of it. Do you know about the uh, the Silent Hill wiki debacle about Silent Hill 4? What? what? Okay. Oh, I don't. I just, uh, before you get into this, I just want to say that segueing from Dan from Game Grumps to Circumcision is pretty good. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm going to do it. So there was somebody who had been vandalizing the uh, Silent Hill wiki for years. This was a few years ago. Um, it was for Silent Hill 4, and specifically it was saying that the bad guy, his motivation was because he was circumcised as a child. <laughs> and it just, it had been up for, like, years. And it was just, like, this long list of all the effects that can have on someone. Like, uh, babies are much more susceptible to pain and uh, trauma and like just for one thing no they're not um no. but it was like all of these weird polemics that were just all over the page and he had done it for apparently a few other pages too and it got into this whole oh also he was an admin of the wiki <laughs> um and then eventually like got ran off but i thought that i i thought for sure you would know about this too but apparently not apparently i'm the well, only one that's that's pretty that's pretty much the plot of Silent Hill 4, so I don't really see what the problem is. Yeah, well, you know, other people didn't quite understand the deep the deep ramifications of circumcision when it Half comes to years. the room. 
Yeah, I did not get far enough to get to the part about the circumcision, I guess. So the circumcision arc went over my head. Yeah, me either. It's pretty it's pretty subtle in Silent Hill fashion, but it's there. Yeah. Does he just I'm gonna take a guess here. So you you've played Silent Hill 4 to completion, Dylan? Yes, I have. Okay. I'm going to take a guess here, a shot in the dark. I want you to tell me if this is a thing that happens in the game, because this is the only right. way I can think about it really kind of coming up. Uh, does your main character find in the room, like maybe through a hole in the drywall or something, a little box that has the serial killer's like preserved foreskin in it, and that's when this all just starts to blow up? <laughs> well, well, you see, he doesn't have his foreskin anywhere. That's the problem. That's why he's so angry. Oh. Uh... I thought maybe the main character had the foreskin, and that's why the killer's after him. He's like, I want my foreskin back. Give me my foreskin. <laughs> it's like the leprechaun. <laughs> it's, that's, like, that's like the Silent Hill 2 twist, that instead of uh, like killing your wife, uh, Henry Townsend steals foreskins. <laughs> yeah. You'll never guess what the final boss is. It's, it's grotesque. That's what the red squares are, actually, it turns out. What do you think this admin thought when he played like Hitman 2016 and found a circumcision knife? Did that just <laughs> fucking break his entire world? Probably. He started shaking and gripping his controller. It snapped in half. <laughs> just profusely sweating. Oh god. Um. Anyway. Anyway, to wrap to wrap up news on this game Grumps thing. I'm glad that long... I'm glad the game Grumps conversation. Uh, diver diverged wildly because I did <laughs> not want to talk about the game grunts. <laughs> I'm going to have to find something about this so I can show both of you. I didn't really think about it until now, but when you mentioned like... Search the um, internet archive for circumcision <laughs> plus Silent Hill 4. Silent Hill 4 needs to be in quotes. Got to use your bully and logic. Yeah. She gets Please you show me this. Please show me this. I, I want to see yeah. this so bad. Anyway, you should not Again, tie your identity to a brand, especially not to any weirdo on YouTube in particular. I, I think at best, some of these people coming out to defend him just, they want to defend the guy that they look up to, no matter what horrible thing he's done. Uh, at worst, it's his own coming out and trying to make excuses for him because it also excuses their behavior. You say that, but then it's we're going to end up making excuses whenever something comes out about John Lineman. That's, Nothing ever I was, will. Don't say that. <laughs> I was I going to not. end on that. Yeah, that I hope nobody at Digital Foundry is a freak. I R really Richard, need John Lindemann to remain king. I if really it... don't understand tying your personality to like um, YouTube Let's Players. Like, I get uh, when people get really defensive about musicians and artists they like because they've made something that connects with them. But someone talking over Mario sixty four doesn't really touch me in the way that uh like brand news albums did that that really sucked when that came out well uh, dylan let me tell you about a little let's player named electrical, electrical beast. beast yep i was Joel just PM of let's that. Plays. <laughs> <laughs> yes the power to rewind time aka use save states yep <laughs> he has a, a very strange voice that's also soothing oh yeah he sounds like lemmy if he got hit in the head <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, of. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he says, like, yeah. that was a real good jump there, Mario. Like, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, he's... I like Electrical he's Beast. He's great. Yeah, he has a very long Let's Play series for Mario 64 that I, like, watch periodically. Uh, anyway, that's it for news. Uh, news. News is done. Hey, what have you been playing? Now, well, I'm not I need gonna you ask to... What you've been playing. I'll tell you what I've been playing. 
Oh, I thought that we were going to go do the other thing first. No, because I finished the game I was playing. Okay. All right, Larry is going to get his thing out of the way now, so then we can all just spend the rest of the episode suffering together. Well, no, Retro Corners later. I have been playing Marvel's Avengers. Oh. Maybe you remember oh, it. Oh, no. Came out last year. I guess uh, we're suffering now. Well, <laughs> for our younger viewers, that came out uh, last year, developed by Crystal Dynamics. Correct. Uh, and it was promised there would be a next gen, current gen at this point version uh, coming out, and it did not until last week. I think it was. Yeah, because I played through it in a week. Here's the thing mm-hmm. it's, it's all right until you finish it. And then you get into the uh, live service elements of it. And boy, that's not good. So the weird thing is, you can tell that it was not originally supposed to be that. Because just playing the campaign, you'll have regular narrative-driven levels that are pretty good. Uh, and it was obviously supposed to be entirely centered about around uh, Miss Marvel and the Hulk. Uh, and eventually, like, Iron Man shows up with, like... Cap and Thor don't show up until, like, the very end, like, before the last mission, and Black Widow just a little bit before that. And so you'll have these regular campaign missions, and then you'll have ones that are similar to the post-game stuff, where you're just, like, out in this sort of semi-open world, and then you go down an elevator and you fight through some hallways or something, and that stuff's not really that great. But overall, uh, playing through the campaign, pretty good. Modok's in it. Modok's the end boss. Uh, something funny is that it, even though it's technically not related to the MCU, it kind of is because they very clearly go out of their way to avoid anything X-Men related. Because the enemy at the end is definitely supposed to be a sentinel, but instead it is not. It's a, quote, Cree sentry that just happens to look like a sentinel. Um uh-huh. So that's neat. Uh, anyway, Spider-Man's never how... going to be in it. Oh, I was going to ask how Spider-Man plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, famously, uh, supposed to be a PlayStation-exclusive character, Spider-Man. They put out a roadmap recently. He is nowhere on that. Um, there's supposed to be like... Black, Black Panther stuff in the summer, which is not interesting yeah. to me at all, because that's just another like fighty hero like Cap or Black Widow is. With preferred, like... Doctor Strange or something a bit more different like that, but you know. But anyway, you got two different Hawkeyes. That's right. They had to make room for two Hawkeyes. Yeah, and then either one of them has the the skin it was advertised with. Apparently, it is. Yeah, doesn't Hawkeye not have the purple outfit? It 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 is in there actually. Okay. The I guess the thing is you can't buy it. I guess you unlock it through something. Uh, and so the marketplace only shows the skins you can buy with credits. So that's mm-hmm. why. Because all the um, characters have skins that are not on the marketplace. Okay. So that that's another thing is um, a lot of their stuff you unlock through challenge cards, which are basically battle passes for each individual character. Um, and I guess at some point you had to buy those. You don't anymore, even though it still has like the two tiers uh, which is funny because it just says free on both of them. Um, and so you can get skins that way. That seems like it would take a really long time to unlock everything because as far as I can tell, the only way to get progress in them is through daily and weekly challenges and you only get two of each. And uh, the mm-hmm. daily ones only give you like 
think three points I think it's four per tier so best case scenario you're getting like two tiers out of 50 per day that's what I'm saying you said you like this game I like the campaign this is all the like this is the destiny crap it became which I do not believe was Crystal Dynamics' intention, but Square Enix went to get more like on the draining. Bandwagon. Yeah, that sounds more draining than completing a Sonic Adventure 100%. Oh yeah, I, like <laughs> I, I finished that campaign and I did like two missions and was like, hmm, I'm not gonna play any more of this. You get different outfits in the multiplayer mode. The more emblems you collect, you gotta beat all the characters' missions, and then you get uh, alternate. You play put big the cat in anyway, the machine. Um. Actually, that's not true. I'm probably gonna play like the like story stuff they've added, but I think there's actually not that much to that, so it won't take too long. I got that game free with my CPU. I've yeah. had it installed for like three months now. That's the right price I for it. I touched it once. I got, <laughs> I got for five dollar dues, and I would say it was worth it. It was a pretty fun campaign. Just reminds me of when I got my graphics card ages ago, and they packed in Arkham Knight with it. And Ugh. then that went the way that it did, so they had to like send out an email and go, "Hey, do you guys like want The Witcher Three instead?" With with that, <laughs> you think that might be a better game? When you when you started Arkham Knight, did you think that the graphics card you bought was fucked up? Uh, <laughs> no, I thought the game was fucked up. Uh, but like at that point in time, it was already like I got in the card. Uh, I think Arkham Knight might have already been out for like a few days, and it had already been like circulating that the game was fucked. Um. I tried to play it anyway because I figured, like, well, this is, like, the top-of-the-line card. It's a 980. Like, at the time, that is as, was as good as it got without getting, like, a TI or whatever. Uh, and I thought I could power through and enjoy the game regardless, but no. I think I had a really bad memory leak, so it didn't matter. Uh, anyway, it's, who cares? Arkham Knight is kind of a bad game regardless of how it performed yeah, on PC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a Breath of the Wild situation. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts. For, uh... My thoughts on Marvel's Avengers. Uh, my recommendation is give it a rental. Okay, I probably won't because eh. I'm not a fan of Miss Marvel. That's a... I don't like her big hands; they freak me out. I'm intimidated by them. They're big enough to eat a whopper. <laughs> <sighs> so, at what point does envy just become fear? <laughs> well, in your case, I think we found the line. Okay. I'm sorry about your mangled hands, but you can't take that out on Miss Marvel. He's making that Thanks. up. They're just small. It's fine. Because he's small in general. He's a tiny manlet. George I'm would never five... lie about getting his hands caught in a wheat, a wheat thresher. Yeah. So he's just making I'm five, that up six, because... That's average human being, normal guy height, Larry. He watched a clip from Star Trek where <laughs> Kirk says that Spock's ears were mangled in a... Mechanical rice, rice picker. picker Yeah And so he's just like He's modifying that to blame His tiny hands on Which is not true I was going to say That a US missionary Who was skilled at plastic surgery <laughs> Fixed my hands But then I figured That'd be too on the nose Of course Anyway I can't believe, everyone... I can't believe you use your reference I don't get to lie to me <laughs> Oh man no, I lied to me. That. that was a good show <laughs> It was so good That Dylan I think Just passed out <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I fainted from the emotional stress. <laughs> Just Hello, thinking about Tim Roth. Yeah. All right, everybody, I need you to put on your 9 11 faces because we have to talk <laughs> about Justice League. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> with pleasure. Oh, man, where to start? Oh god, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's hopefully divided into numerous parts. Yeah, for some reason, with like terrible yeah, titles too. Well, like, for some, I, for what, some I don't know about that. Batman was one of them, yeah. or something. They should have to compromise on taking out the "We Live in a Society" line. The last chapter should have been named "We Live in a Society," Batman. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why well, didn't they or, do that? Or yeah, just whatever. take it out because it doesn't matter. No, that scene is terrible. It's maybe what? Uh, well, I was gonna say it's the worst scene, but I don't know. I, there's another scene that I'm thinking of that I think is way worse. Uh, so the Snyder Cut. A little brief background on this: uh, Zack Snyder endured a personal tragedy. Uh, which took him away from being able to finish his version of Justice League. The studio had their own issues with the movie, which is that it was fairly humorless and uh, really fucking long. Yeah. And so they brought in Joss Whedon to finish up the picture, and in part of doing that, they pretty much told him to just kind of muck around in it, you know, shorten the movie and then add more brevity to it. And so we got a real Joss Whedon-ass movie uh, that a lot of people didn't like. Uh, I tried, I was going to watch it before doing this, and I simply ran out of time. Um, but the clips I've seen kind of comparing the two of them together, like, I will say the Snyder version does actually seem like a better movie. Uh, but there was this huge, like, campaign of absolute freaks on the internet who kept demanding that the Snyder Cut get released, assuming that there was this completely fully formed movie just sitting in a vault someplace, which is not the case. And I think some of the stuff in this movie proves that was not the case, even if you set aside the fact that there were reshoots being done. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but now it's out there. And uh, just up front, I will say the best part about this thing is how much time and money the studio wasted between having to fix the movie initially and then having to let Snyder do his thing now. Also, they should let him do another one. Who cares? Why not? Yeah, sure. I absolutely agree. Let him finish his thing. Just Yeah. Give him the other two movies that he wants to do at this point. Well, and just think, one. I think make a break from it. One director, like, holding the keys to this big-budget superhero franchise, and he keeps coming out with this ridiculous shit. I love it. <laughs> I'm all on board yeah. with it. It's it's definitely not for me now that I've seen this in Batman vs. Superman, but sure. I'm fine with him being able to see his creative vision through to the end. Uh, I, I do think he at least deserved to be able to do this after what the studio did to him. I, sure. Yeah, because that's the thing is I felt for him very much because he has this horrible personal tragedy happen. Then his mm -hmm. movie gets like dicked over by Joss Whedon who adds in a bunch of butt shots and like boob jokes and it still has Zach's name slapped on it. Yeah, I, would... I, I didn't know about that until <laughs> recently kinda... when I like looked on IMDb and saw he was still credited as director for the theatrical version. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad that he finally got to like, he finally got to put out his defense and be like, okay, that shit wasn't me. I did not put those in there. Yeah. Well, he ha he hasn't even watched that version of the movie. Like, it, it was his Why wife that watched that and told him, like, you can never see this picture. <laughs> like, it's like Werner Herzog listening you... to the tape yeah. in Grizzly Man. <laughs> <laughs> She's watching it's it like... on a monitor with headphones on and just, like, reacting to it. Yeah. It's like the Poughkeepsie uh... tapes. <laughs> yeah. The flash just is, like, just crawling like... around. <laughs> yeah, Joss Whedon crawling around, sticks that needle into Snyder's neck. It's horrible. Uh, so yeah, I guess like maybe the best way to go about it is just kind of go through the movie and like 
quarter chunks. That's okay. the way that I watched it. And I think that the movie does kind of divide itself neatly into hour long segments. Well, all right. First of all, let's just talk about our general thoughts of it. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to say I didn't hate it, but I definitely did not like it. Uh, it was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. Uh, that I hated it. <laughs> okay. I, I definitely did not enjoy it. I did not like the fact that I wasted four hours of my life on this, uh, but it's better than Batman vs Superman. That's for damn sure. Uh, oh, it is okay. also not as bad as I thought that it was going to be. Uh, I definitely still have a lot of issues with it and I do not ever want to watch it again. Oh no, I don't either. Yeah. That's exactly why I didn't watch it because either one of two things would happen. One, I hate it and I wasted four hours. Two, I loved it and I become a Snyder guy. I can't let either happen. <laughs> it's lose lose. It's understandable. And holy cow! Stop doing that. <laughs> what are you doing? Dylan? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, but Dylan, can you give us your thoughts on the movie as if though you did watch it? Um, well, I think all the circumcision stuff was a little weird, <laughs> but that's Zack Snyder's vision, <laughs> and I'm glad you finally got to see it through to the end. Yeah. Larry, uh, I would like you to note here that the name of this episode is Give Me Back My Porskin. <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Thank you. I was going to call this, uh, I thought you should call this one The Larry Punishment Room. I mean, that, hmm. A Larry, an escape room made just for Larry, where you and I talking about Sonic Adventures blaring through a loudspeaker, and there's a TV set up playing the Snyder Cut on loop. I mean, if you really wanted to torture me, it would be like Man of Steel or BVS. Because I'm, I'm sure I would like... Room. I have not watched either of those. I've seen enough from them to know I never want to. Um, yeah. I watched I watched Man of Steel, and it is miserable. Oh, it yeah, it looked the... like it. Yeah, okay, before we get into this, because this kind of ties into Justice League anyway, since you've seen Man of Steel, is Clark like a completely flat character in that that barely says anything and mostly just shows up and reacts to stuff? So, okay, this is the interesting thing about Zack Snyder is I don't like his movies, but he's a filmmaker. Like, he actually understands that films are a visual language and you can communicate things through characters like expressions and, like, how they're carrying themselves, you know, like, like film stuff, basic film stuff. Sure. So in that way, like, I begrudgingly respect his films. And Clark is an actual character, um, whether or not it's a good one is up to viewer interpretation, but he is a character in Man of Steel and uh, Batman vs. Superman, I think. I, I mean, I disagree with the Batman vs. Superman part, because the only thing I ever got out of Clark's character in either of these two movies is a lot of heavy-handed Jesus imagery, and that was basically it. I laughed out loud in this one when he, like, shoots up into the air and T-poses. <laughs> yep. That's uh I was gonna bring that up. He just does the Christ pose above the planet because of course it's Superman, he just came back to life, just like Jesus. Doing a Christ oh, yeah, man like of Bucky Steel. Lasik. Yeah. Man of Steel has shit like that too, where he's like framed with uh with Jesus on the cross behind him. Yeah, I've seen that. Like, Zack Snyder yeah. thinks superheroes are gods and he's like he's not afraid to show it, which is another sure. reason I'd be I'd begrudgingly respect him because he's willing to um be that on the nose. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> and he's wasting a lot of... He, I don't know if he gets my respect exactly, but yes, he's definitely on the nose. 
he's wasting a lot of studio money making these shots where Superman is Jesus. I think that's <laughs> oh, I love that. for everyone. Yeah, no, that's that, that. Now you put it in a way I can get behind. Uh, it's it's like the it, Freddy it, got fingered as superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm coming around Hawk, on it. Hawk Kent played by Rip Torn. Oh, <laughs> that'd man. be really good. Yes, it would. I'm proud of you, Clark. Proud. Uh, so, like, at least in, in BVS, like, it makes a, a certain degree of sense because a lot of Lex Luthor, Luthor's whole thing is, oh, well, Superman is a god, and he can turn on us at any time and become a devil. And so he's way into the concept of, like, uh, mankind's sins and divine punishment and stuff like that. And so at least, like, the movie kind of, like, feeds back into the Jesus imagery in a way that is, like, thematically cohesive uh, in Justice League is just kind of there. It's also, just we need to revive Superman because he punched good. Also, Lex is right, actually. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So there, there's a some stuff in Justice League. It, it was in Batman vs Superman too. This like ruined feature where Superman's turned bad, and it's like a um, is an injustice kind of scenario where I guess in the future Lois Lane dies. She gets turned into a sick ass skeleton in this one. So that's neat. Uh, but it turns Superman Wait, evil where he's... Th- that was Lois? Yeah. I thought that was the Batman. The skeleton that he's... No, because... So the whole thing about this ruined future is Batman lets Lois Lane die. Man, And that... she suffers horribly. That ruins one and of so my skeleton... favorite parts because I was like, oh man, they did the pose from Final Crisis where, like, Darkseid killed Superman, or uh, Batman, I mean, and Superman was nope. holding him. Oh, well, great. that's... That's part of Cyborg's vision is that same ruined future because Superman, like Darkseid, puts his hand on his shoulder, and I think that's the moment of Superman becoming a bad guy. I changed like my Superman mind. Superman is working sucks. with Darkseid. <laughs> I've turned on so, it. Wait, Cyborg, I'm, I did it. I did it, and it only took like five minutes. I got Larry to come around. Wait, Cyborg has a vision of the future? Yeah, sure. Yeah, when he, he, jacks, he touches the mother box, he jacks in. Yeah, yeah, he, he jacks into the mother box and he sees a flash of a bunch of stuff that's going to happen, like end of Evangelion style, it's all flashing in his head. And then he has this moment where he's like, no, don't do it, but it's too late and they revive Superman. Um, hey, quick question. And I think, Why did they have to bring Superman back to the goop? Why couldn't they have just done it anywhere? It's, because it's Kryptonian goop. So? Look, I don't know. <laughs> like the mother box was just like they say, like it can turn uh, smoke back into a house. So why does it need to bring him to the goop? Why did Barry Allen suggest circumcising Superman while he was dead? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's kind of a weirdo, as you see in his introduction. Good filmmaking poses questions, and it doesn't always give you answers. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But no, to, to to help you understand this ruined future thing, because we had kind of talked about this, and you seem to not quite get it. And I, think I did some not of know it what is... was happening. This whole thing yeah, was some... super muddy to me because I so Flash says something like, "All right, I'm going to have to go faster in light." When I do that, weird time stuff happens, and so he like charges yeah. up, and then it shows this like future stuff, and then mm-hmm. it goes back, and he's like, "All right, Flash, go," and then he goes, and then it like does this rewinding time thing, so. I was like, but okay, what? Yeah, so I'm going to lay this out for you because I, I think some of it's predicated on not having seen Batman vs Superman. In in that movie, there's the nightmare segment where yeah. Batman is trying to get a weapon to kill Superman. Superman captures him and and kills him presumably, and then he wakes up and Barry Allen is there and he's like, Lois is the key to all this. 
we've never had a funnier character and just get her working <laughs> yeah <laughs> and bruce is understandably confused by this uh but Bar barry allen also says you were right about him you were right about him and he means clark and so they go out of the way to revive superman they defeat steppenwolf and by doing so they ensure this future where Darkseid will eventually show up he'll kill lois lane because batman fails to save her or sacrifice himself in place of her superman goes evil starts helping Darkseid. And so the vision at the end of this movie is tied to that timeline. And so Snyder said he wanted to do three of these things. And the third movie uh, would have had super, or I'm not, not Superman, I'm sorry, Batman would have sacrificed himself. And then Lois and Superman's son would become the next Batman. So the way I understand that is Bruce eventually through these visions figures out that he needs to sacrifice himself and not have Lois die. Okay. I think that's where all this is going. <laughs> well, or or would have gone, assuming that Snyder is not going to be able to finish any of this. All right, whatever. Does that make sense now? <laughs> sure. I mean, yes. It did not make sense when watching it. Because Does it retroactively make all these future scenes the greatest part of Justice no, League? Absolutely. Of course not. not. It's know. still terrible. Yes. Now I kinda hope he does get to make it, because this sounds insane. I mean, I, it, it in could concept, be interesting. Sure, but yeah. then you get Jared Leto Joker doing Jimmy Stewart yeah. impressions for some reason. What? <laughs> yeah, really. That's yeah. why he sound, he's yeah. like, "Well, I own a hole there, Batman." Like that's what he's doing. I don't know how many people gotta die before you don't feel anything anymore, Batman. <laughs> yeah, like now that... I think I want to watch this. <laughs> He's got spaghetti all over his face. He also makes Batman say the F word. Ooh. Oh, no. And also Ben Affleck does not fit into his costume anymore because this was filled. <laughs> yes, filmed that was se funny. Several years after the fact. That was really good. How his, his cowl is just like loose. Yes. Um, oh, that's great. Um, so I, we should probably just tear into the movie now. The, sure. the first hour of this thing I thought was one of the most boring experiences of my entire life. Larry disagree with me. Yeah, I didn't really have an issue with it at first. Uh, so you get the really bad and stupid uh, Amazon fight scene, where uh, oh, you know, okay, I want, I do want to talk about that. This guy Steppenwolf. Uh, we got these Amazons. Steppenwolf really cuts through these gals like butter. Um, <laughs> Why is Kermit doing a George why, Lucas. Why do you always say that every time I do a George Lucas impression? Because it just sounds like Kermit. Yes, Dylan because Barry George, better, George, George Lucas, Lucas sounds like Kermit. Kind of sounds like Kermit. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe both of you. <laughs> he it's does. Just Kermit. You're just doing a Kermit and you're gaslighting me. No, it's not. That's different. Have you ever seen Kermit. Kermit and George Lucas in the same room together? <gasps> it was actually it was actually George Lucas on the Masked Singer. It was him. Oh no. Hmm. Anyway, this Amazon sequence, yeah. So I kind of alluded to the fact that, like, you can tell that the movie's not done uh, because a lot of the CG in this movie looks horribly, horribly unconvincing in yeah. a way that it doesn't look in Batman vs. Superman. Like, the, the visual design of that movie, say what you will about it, it at least looks convincing. In this movie, I can tell when there's a bad composite shot. I can tell when there is like some CGI that really needs like a, another couple months spent on it, and the Amazon sequence is maybe the absolute worst of it. Yeah, 
Start it, it with a showstopper. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, I had tweeted something out about this uh, that I really appreciate Zack Snyder uh, not knowing when to ramp speed. That he'll just do it on shots where they are not dynamic at all. So there's one of just like Lois Lane walking. And for some reason, this is all in slow-mo. Uh-huh. I don't understand why. It has no business being in slow-mo. The other one that stood out to me is uh, Diana's mom turning and running towards a wall. But she just kind of like approaches it at like kind of a light jog. And then it slows down. And so it just looks fucking terrible when it ramps the speed. I like that they have the big strong ladies with hammers who are only there to like knock down things that will make the walls fall down to seal yeah, the mother box in. And Steppenwolf can just teleport away. They watched yeah. him teleport in. Why would they not assume he could just teleport away? Yeah, exactly. Dummies. But yeah, like the actual chase sequence that occurs outside of there also looks terrible. And like the fight sequence goes on for a good 15 minutes or so. Like it's pretty oh, yeah. long. Yeah. Oh, um, and then af- what is it? after that We get Bruce going to see Aquaman with his weird like uh, Cult uh, No I think it was like right before that But but yeah there's that whole sequence too Where like Aquaman's going back Into the water and we get this drawn out Sequence of these women like singing a song Or like a hymn or something Well that's uh, later Worship him. Like the I first part was... is Bruce talking to him And then there's some other stuff And then later he I guess Finds out about the mother box being awoken in Atlantis or whatever, and that's when he goes to. Like, I was talk legitimately to starting to pass out Defoe. by the end of the first like hour and a half. <laughs> I um, was so bored by it. But I, I will say, I really like the part uh, where Diana kills all those guys that were trying to blow up the building, where she like yeah. zooms around and blocks the bullets and everything, and the, just so t- straight up liquefies one guy in front of these kids. And then the kid's like, can I be like you when I grow up? And she's like, you can be anything you want to be. Even though, no, you can't. You you can't be an Amazon. Sorry. I love that Gal Gadot impression. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, she's terrible. So she's you, you know Larry, the come on. You, you know the Kalel no line she does, right? Well, yeah. th- this one has a different take. Where instead of Kalel no, she says... Kalel, no. See, it's like theirs goes ding, 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 did a ding, 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 did a ding, ding. Ours goes ding, 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 did a ding, 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 did a ding, ding. It's not the same. Kalel, no. Kalel, no. Yeah, I... but everybody on Twitter will tell you that the new take is infinitely better. She says it with such conviction. They say, I so. I'm going to reveal something I've not told you yet, Larry. Uh, when that scene came on, I watched it. I pulled my laptop over. I looked up the theatrical cut version of that scene. Indistinguishable. Yeah. Those are the same scenes I... until the same scenes, the same cuts, the same dialogue, except for like one very weird, bad ADR line from the flash that they took out. Uh, the only time it changes is when Batman shows up. That's like completely different. Um, I... Yes, I watched a side-by-side of the two lines And it's just very, very slightly different I'm actually not really sure why they bothered Um, I will say, that scene, I really do like the part Where Flash runs to the side and Superman looks over at him That's really great That is pretty good, yeah it is Uh, I also like when Superman just sidesteps him And he collides with Aquaman I thought that was pretty good too Yeah Uh, 
yeah, like there's like, this you know, movie as it, far as the does, action sequences go, there's some well choreographed stuff in there. It also does accomplish like showing Superman as the uber powerful thing that could yeah. end everything. Like him just showing up and immediately wrecking Steppenwolf is pretty good. I do like him sitting on top of Steppenwolf and just punching him repeatedly. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. This this is jumping way ahead too, but yeah. I really like the whole way they dispatch Steppenwolf by throwing him into the portal with Darkseed, and then for no reason at all, other than it looks really cool, Diana jumps up and chops <laughs> his head off. Yeah. Sure, why not? And then Darkseid stomps on it. Yeah, it's the, it's the dumbest shit in the world, but like it's the exact kind of dumb shit that I would like to get out of a Snyder movie. The stuff I don't want out of a Snyder movie is an hour and a half of super characters, ju- superhero characters just kind of talking to each other, and the color grading all looks like shit. And yeah. It's all the first half, like nearly the first half of this movie is just that. I mean, I would uh, say the, it's like all of the middle section is that, especially all of the things with Cyborg, which is its own oh, uh, subject, I suppose. So Cyborg in the original cut of the movie, my understanding is he had no character, no purpose. That stuff all got reduced significantly by Joss Whedon. He definitely has like a purpose and he has a an arc in this movie. I I just don't Snyder saw he was a robot man, so he just decided that he had to act like a robot the entire time, I guess. Maybe. Like for for the fact that he has probably one of the most, like, I guess, emotional arcs in the movie, he seems flat the entire time to me. I think he's just a bad actor. I think that's really just awesome. what it comes down to. But, like, yeah. even so, just looking at the plot elements of this, compare it to Doom Patrol, and that's way better. Yeah. Uh, yes. Like, it covers uh, basically the same beats, except in a much better fashion. A lot more character there's there's some more brevity and humor in there, but also like I feel it handles it's like really like the heavy emotional moments that are embedded in that cyborg story land harder in Doom Patrol than they do in Justice League, and yeah. yet Justice League takes itself so much more self seriously than Doom Patrol, a comedy program. Yeah, kind of. It's a kind of a comedy program, but it's yeah, like. I it's not that I don't like Cyborg as a character. I like him a whole lot in Doom Patrol. I just don't think he's good in Justice League. Uh, also, as you have pointed out, he looks like a character you would expect to find on the box of an old Radeon graphics card. <laughs> yes, he does. And he animates as as about as well as a tech demo <laughs> on a early two thousands graphics card. Yeah, it's rough. It looks terrible. He's like kind of like hunched over in a bunch of scenes. That I think is funny. Put the trap when they put the trap door. They need to have him do the auger walk. That way he doesn't hurt himself <laughs> when they drop him through. You have to, you have to listen to what Diana and Bruce are saying so you know what color to set the code to. <laughs> We're talking about night trap, Dylan. That's fine. Ignore <laughs> oh us. We're just imagining this game. We're just imagining this game now. There's a mother box inside the night trap house, and so you got to drop the parademons through the floor. And <laughs> they do kind of look like augers. Yeah, they kind of do. Um, yeah. So I guess at this point we're just going character by character because uh, we already did Diana, which is just she. She talks funny. Um, she drops off a ledge like a Belmont at one point. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I do like Aquaman in this movie I, I really like Jason Mimosa I think he's a really good actor And <laughs> Jason Mimosa <laughs> Yeah Alright You're not uh, an alcoholic though From what you've told no. me No I 
the FDA says more than 14, more than 15, technically beers, uh, not beers, but drinks uh, a week is problematic. And so I just drink eight, which is slightly more than half that. So I am, by definition, just a moderate drinker. I've proven this mathematically. Okay. Fine. Everything's fine. Uh, anyway, I had closer to 12 drinks this week <laughs> because I knew I had to watch this goddamn movie. Great. I can't believe that Zack Snyder's Justice League increases your drinking habits, but Sonic does not. No. no. That is so, well, look, I had, to, I had to be focused for that game. I need to be sober. Then when I'm done, I can drink. Anyway, I, I like to... Aquaman. Okay. I, I was going to say, you yeah. want to talk about the, the flashback for a bit? The... We want to talk about the flashback. Okay. Yeah, Aquaman's fine, I guess. I don't care. Uh, I don't I care like about Aquaman. Aquaman. The only Aquaman I care about is the one in uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. I mean, that's a pretty good Aquaman. He but is. the thing that I like the most about Aquaman in this movie is you get to see Amber Heard get knocked around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Give her a taste of her own medicine. <laughs> you know, I actually do like the casting of, like, some of the casting in these movies. Like, I actually like Henry Cavill as a Superman, hypothetically. Sure. Yeah, I wish they like, just, I... like, gave him more moments to just not show up and do a Jesus pose. I, I like Henry Cavill a whole lot. Like, I'm imagining him as, like, in, like, an adaption of, like, All-Star Superman. And I think yeah. he'd be really good in that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I actually, really... I like Ben Affleck as Batman, too. Yes, me too. Do. That, yep. that was yeah. something I was going to get to later, but I guess I could just say it now. I like pretty much everything related to Batman in here. Um, and it makes me think that if Snyder just made a Dark Knight Returns movie, or even just a solo Batman movie, I would probably like it. He's got the Dark Knight Returns tank at the very uh, yeah, end of that exactly. Because yeah, because uh, Ben Affleck is like Daredevil is stupid because he's like handsome A-list Ben Affleck, but as Batman, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really like Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Yeah, I think that he completely nails that role. Uh, J.K. Simmons as Gordon, like I was a little bit unsure of. Like not, I like J.K. Simmons a whole lot. I just kind of like I I know the James Gordon character very well, and I didn't think he would quite fit into that role. But like he's really good as Commissioner Gordon. Only has as like a crime two that scenes. he has like one. Yeah, he's got like one or two scenes, and that's it. Also, weirdly um, wasted Billy Crudup as uh, Barry's dad just shows up in yeah. two scenes in the jail. Yeah. Um, um, I do like uh, the actor playing Silas Starr in this, though. Silas Stone? I'm blanking on his name. So it's Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Stone. Yeah, um, yeah. He's pretty good. He says Star Labs, my brain made a connection. Yeah. Uh, this has yeah. Ryan Choi in it. The Atom. I don't know if that There's was in the good... original version either. But there, There is a lot of good casting in this movie. There's also Ezra Miller. Yeah. He's just here. And Gal Gadot. Yeah, but that's uh-huh. the thing is Gal Gadot, I like her look as Wonder Woman. Then she starts Yeah, she's talking. very pretty. I don't. <laughs> I don't like anything about her, honestly. I okay, so scattered here, but just a a thought. I don't like how these characters get beat around so much and they don't show a single scratch for it. Like I understand that they're superheroes and in Snyder's view they're gods, but when Wonder Woman gets like shot through the damn crust of the earth. She should maybe look like a little bit beat up when she gets out of the ground. Also, Flash can heal, just like, apparently, which I uh, guess makes yeah. a certain amount of sense with his super fast metabolism, but it's kind of sure. strange. 
I think we need to talk about the Flash now. Well, no, uh, one quick thing because you're mentioning sure. the Batman tank from Dark Knight Returns made me think about this because I thought about this a lot actually over the years, and it seems like a lot of people, I think, misunderstand it. In the Dark Knight Returns, uh, the part where he is in the tank shooting all the mutants and everything, and he says, like, he turns to Carrie and says, "Rubber bullets, promise." What? Yeah. What do you think of that? Like, what does that he's mean? He's shooting. He's shooting live rounds. Yes. May's line to her. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that version of Batman is absolutely shooting live rounds. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like a lot of people like take that to actually mean like he's being honest and actually shooting rubber bullets. Like, no, that's the joke. Is that he's not? He's just telling her that. Oh. Yeah, I don't know a... how you could read The Dark Knight Returns and get like think that because he's he's a, he's an insane psychopath. Yeah, people that whole are real comic. dumb. Is yeah. the thing. Yeah, like Batman vs Superman gets into that a bit uh, because he's absolutely murdering people in that movie and branding them. And the the thing he's trying to convey is he's lost sight of the mission, and he's completely fallen off the edge at that point. Yeah, that's the funny I thing don't... about Batman vs Superman is he acts more like Moon Knight in Batman vs Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> Actually, he kind of does. Um, like, I'm not necessarily a fan of that. I'm not saying that Batman can never kill, Batman can never use a gun. It's just that it's so hard-coded in his character to not do those things that if you are going to do it, you really, really need to stick the landing on it. Yeah, like and in Batman Odyssey. What... Yes. Uh, I get what Batman vs. Superman was trying to convey with that stuff, but it doesn't like land well for me. I, I think he could have done the branding thing, and that could have indicated he lost sight of the mission, but like, don't blow up random thugs don't start shooting people with guns that's Maybe another way too far in this movie that's another place where like i appreciate snyder like having an idea but i don't i don't like the way he pulled pulled it off yeah because in my thought in my head i'm like oh superman turning evil because someone kills lois lane that's so that's so in contrast with his character superman would sure, not turn in, evil that's like but him, injustice but I like, is really good <laughs> it's like i do like that I do like that Snyder is willing to take these uh these characters from like 80 years ago and do something different, even though I don't like how he did it. Yeah, sure. I guess I'm just saying that it would have been better if his version of Batman stuck a bomb to a clown and then smiled when he blew up. Would have liked that way more. <laughs> yeah, shove him down. To be honest, hole. If, yeah. if Snyder said that he was adapting Aspar, I think it would probably be the most excited <laughs> I've ever been for a movie. <laughs> that would be pretty good. I'm just like I want to see Ben Affleck Batman just painting an entire room yellow so he can beat up Green Lantern. Oh, that'd be great. Really good. Uh, so I think we've kind of touched on every character now except for Barry Allen, and I think that we really need to talk about him because he is the the lowest point in this movie is just the character Barry Allen. Yeah, I will say I think it's bold that. He waited nearly two hours to introduce a comic relief to this movie, though. It's not that long. It's like a little over an it's, hour because I remember is, that being the point where I was like, I hate this part. It is still longer than it would normally take for somebody to introduce a comic relief into well, a story. Okay, okay so like that's it, the it still thing. Stands, keep, stands out as being kind of weird. You keep calling him a comic relief. Like, Batman has the funny lines in this movie. Is the thing I would say Aquaman has the better funny lines out of anybody, but like Barry Allen is very much his purpose is supposed to be the comic relief. It, the fact that other characters are funnier than him isn't 
the fact that other characters are funnier than him is because Barry Allen is a really shitty comic relief. He's still supposed to be the comic relief, though. He's just a creep. I don't like yeah. anything about him. Yes, it's the writing for him is very bad. Uh, the actor in the role, I can't remember who said it, but plays him like a serial killer. Like he's about to go shoot up a room full of people. <laughs> that, that was at Naked Savior on Twitter. Who <laughs> said, "Yeah, Ezra okay. Miller plays Flash like he's about to do a mass shooting," which I thought was just a joke about. We need to talk about Kevin, the movie starring Ezra Miller, who he's very good in that because that guy is a creep who's about to go on a mass shooting, or has actually by the time the movie starts. Um. But, uh, yeah. Ezra Miller Flash seems like he's going to go door-to-door and tell everyone that he's on the sex offender registry. (laughs) Like, he is just such an absolute weirdo. And so they introduce him in the scene where he's trying to do, like, a job interview, uh, some sort of, like, pet store, whatever, and there's a horrible car crash outside, and so he uses his Flash powers to kind of do a quick silver scene where everything's frozen in time and he's just like casually messing around with it he takes a hot dog out of the air puts it in his pocket i thought oh that's a little brilliant character moment he's a weirdo he's getting himself a pocket hot dog to eat later i like that bit and then it turns out no it's just to feed the dogs yeah it's to feed the dogs in the store so he comes up with a cover about why he's no longer directly in front of the woman interviewing him uh i'm genuinely upset that he didn't just pull a hot dog out of his pocket and start eating it while talking to batman yeah, uh, and also I can't that... believe there's uh, I can't believe there was a scene in a Zack Snyder movie where like a superhero saves someone. <laughs> well, he kind <laughs> right. of the thing is like he stands there and he watches the crash happen before he does anything. He waits for yeah. it to crash and then like while they're in midair, he like walks up and well, for one thing, he's just kind of a creep towards Iris. By the way, uh, that was one of the things I'd heard was oh they cut Iris West out of the movie. Apparently, she only had this one scene anyway, and it never goes back to her. So. Whatever. Yeah. He just shows up and gently caresses her face while she's flying out of a horrible car accident. Yep. Just I mean that's still, that's still better than other Zack Snyder movies <laughs> where he would just like watch it crash, watch her die in slow it, motion just because. And BVS Superman would watch the car crash and watch like the mangled wreckage and lament on how much it sucks being a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, I like when that entire, like, the Senate blows up and Superman's just standing there and he looks so fucking bored by it. The God, Senate no, blows up. another explosion. Yeah, there's, like, a Senate hearing in that movie and uh, Lex Luthor put a bomb inside, like, some guy's wheelchair and it blows up and takes out, like, the whole Senate. So it's like Mars Attacks? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you basically. think Zack Snyder would be better directing, like, an irredeemable movie? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Um... Yeah, the, the, there's you know a what? scene after Zach this Snyder, where he... he could actually probably do an alright Invincible movie also. Because he would be I, way the into with... the carnage involved. The thing with an irredeemable movie is, I don't know if he would understand that Plutonian is the bad guy. <laughs> Maybe oh, not. Oh no, he definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, no, there, there's a scene after this where he then goes into like the Flash cave or or whatever is his little hideout, and he turns the power on, and there's a single monitor that seems to be dedicated to playing Rick and Morty, and I think that actually is a very brilliant piece of set dressing because this version of the Flash, this Barry Allen, is absolutely the kind of freak who would have a monitor set up just for Rick and Morty. Yeah. But yeah, so- like all all his quips in this film. They none of them land. They're all terrible. He's there, there's one with Gordon on the roof, and Gordon does a thing where he turns around and then turns back, and Batman's gone. 
This time it's all the characters gone except for Flash, and he has a really awkward line of like, oh, they, they all went away, huh? That's rude. And then he runs. And so, it was in the trailers, and I thought it was a Joss Whedon thing because it was that bad. Yeah, and me apparently too. it's not. I um so there is one bit with Flash that I thought was funny, but it wasn't really because of Flash. It was him and Aquaman where he's like trying on the different hats and he's just like, So do you like A or B? A? And then like Aquaman's just like, Duh, let me see B again or something like that. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it's yeah, all right. It's yeah. Again, Aquaman is uh to me at least the funniest, most charming character in this entire movie. I, I like Aquaman a whole lot. Who's the actor? Jason Mimosa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. What? So Gal Gadot has the funniest lines in this movie. <laughs> Unintentionally, <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, okay. Uh... We need to talk about the flashback part. Or the, the whole okay. the giant exposition dump, which for some reason they decided should be delivered by Gal Gadot. Uh... Which I can't say I agree with that It shows No I had to uh, turn subtitles on I didn't know what the fuck she was saying So it shows the first attempt By Darkseid to conquer Earth And uh, he was stopped by The Atlanteans The Amazons uh, Ares and Zeus Apparently that was David Thewlis as Ares Because he's credited in this But you don't really get like a good shot of him He kind of just looks like CGI'd up So who knows I just want to know if he has that little mustache he did in Wonder Woman. Um, a Green Lantern. I'm not sure which Green Lantern it's supposed to be. Kind of looked like Nort to me, but might not be. Who knows? And uh, they like fight off Darkseid. He's like, "I'll get you someday," and leaves. And so the weird part about this is later, uh, Steppenwolf is like talking to Desaad, and he's like, "This time they don't have a Green Lantern or a Kryptonian." And I don't think there was a Kryptonian in that flashback segment. Well, so I think what he's referring to is that there has been a Kryptonian on, on Earth in the in the form of uh, Superman. And now that Superman's dead, they're no longer afraid of Superman. But the, okay, there was also no Superman like a few years ago. Larry, don't think about it. It's a Zack Snyder <laughs> okay. movie. You're not supposed All to right. think about it, please. Like they Stop could, thinking. They could have just come back to earth at any point before superman showed up yeah i actually anyway. did watch that opening that the the, well, the a bit of the flashback scene with, with gal Gadot narration and it has like the same energy as like the opening narration in like a kingsfield game oh boy where oh, it's like someone boy. brought into like the janitor's closet to read the like opening <laughs> yeah. narration for a ps1 game yeah kind of <laughs> oh man also, oh, like the, the pandemic happened. Gal Gadot's got to work with the audio setup she has. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I wonder how much of that narration is there in the original movie because I do know that there is a similar scene, except it's taking place in like a park. Uh, I don't. Well, I which, guess that was all new because it involves Darkseid. I don't think there's any Darkseid stuff in the original version. I yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure because again, there there is she gives an explanation about the stuff that happened in the past. I've not actually seen that scene. My understanding is it's very short, they get through it very quickly. So either it's the same thing and they just cut a lot out of it, or it's just a totally different narration that's very condensed. Hey, speaking someone of... called Gal Gadot and said, Hey, could you pick up this blue Yeti microphone and download Audacity <laughs> real quick? <laughs> speaking of uh like Wonder Woman lines that are bad also. 
what's up with at the end where Steppenwolf's like, this one's mine, and she's like, I belong to no one, because it's just like a dumber version of I am no man in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I think she completely misunderstood what Steppenwolf was saying to her, I guess, because well, her know, reaction to English it isn't her first sense. language, so. Is, um, is it as bad yeah. as the, the, the endgame scene, the, you know, the one, the, uh, he's with us, <laughs> no. real power. It, no, uh, it's not that bad because no. she does like for one thing actually succeed and cuts his head off. <laughs> yeah. Uh the end game when like they just spend a lot of time flying around and then don't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I guess like should we talk about like what the main plot of this movie is and how well that lands? Oh, sure, or... I guess. Okay. So Steppenwolf is a fail son. Uh, he has kind of <laughs> got in bad with Darkseed uh, he, He's betrayed like, him at some point He's like a Michael Scott character or something Like he's trying to <laughs> He's trying to impress the management Yeah he really needs regional management To give him a second chance Before he loses a store Yeah well he's in uh, debt for one thing Which is also funny <laughs> That he's just like that's a, that's a, That already sounds like a better character motivation Than like uh, not even original Steppenwolf, but like some MCU villains, where it's like this guy is just trying to impress his dad, and he's in a lot of debt. So. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, yeah, actually, that is one thing I like about it is just yeah, he he owes Darkseid like was fifty thousand worlds or something, and something so like, like that, he's yeah. just trying to get out of debt by doing this, and then he's like, he oh, just... oh, they have the anti-life equation here. This is really gonna get me in Daddy's good graces. Yeah, Dad will finally let me move back in with him. <laughs> Steppenwolf has a race car bed. <laughs> yeah, no, Dark. Look, Dark Seed seems like he doesn't tolerate his son, but he left his room exactly the way it was. <laughs> it's a very touching scene. I mean, Granny Goodness uh, is there. You know, there's a sure. lot of weird stuff going on at Apocalypse. She never talks, though. No, I bet. They should have had no. her voiced by Ed Asner, like in the anime. She, like she seems like she's entirely made out of CGI, too. Yeah. Or, or am I just. Okay. Yeah, she's. Um, well, she only appears like there at that very end. Yeah. Through the portal. We're going to have her in a couple frames And we don't want to pay an actress for yeah. this So we just did a CGI character Is basically what was going on um, I did not check to see if they credited anyone as her But she looks like a CGI character So yeah, I'm assuming that, That's um, what I thought But yeah, so his plot is Well, uh, you know, Daddy Darkseid He kind of fucked up getting this planet So if I took this planet for him Got the mother boxes That already will put me in his good graces But the anti-life equation Is here too and I know that he really wants that, so I really need to get these other boxes, wipe out all life, and then have my old man come here. Um, and then the Justice League, like, Bruce has kind of this idea that, like, a war is coming. Uh, Lex kind of implies that at the end of Batman vs. Superman, and so he's trying to put a team together to drive off whatever army is going to come to earth it also does not uh, explain and... that at all it just at the beginning shows lex in a puddle of playing guess what cube with steppenwolf and i had no idea <laughs> what that right. was supposed to mean yeah it's well so it doesn't even make much sense in batman vs superman because when they come to arrest him he's just standing there in front of the vision of steppenwolf and the cubes yeah and that's it then he kind of turns around just like i guess i'm getting arrested now <laughs> um but yeah, at at a certain point though, they realize that Steppenwolf is too powerful. Uh, it is almost certain he's going to get the mother boxes, and so they need to revive Superman because the mother boxes have the ability to do that. Because Superman is strong enough to probably beat this guy up and save the day. 
Um, and, and that's pretty much it. That's what the plot of the movie is. Uh, what would you like to add, Larry? I hit a wall. <laughs> um... My brain froze for a second. Uh, well, I thought too much about Zack Snyder and I overheated. The, the other thing is you were trying to ask me about all of these Kirby concepts, and I was having to tell you, like, there's nothing really set in stone about any of them. Like, Mother Boxes, yeah. their thing is that they are super advanced computers, but what can they do? Eh, whatever they have to, depending on the story. Was the anti-life yeah, equation? Were, like, magic. Eh, you know, it's like a mind control thing. Maybe. Yeah, that's the thing yeah, with, like, when, when these movies change, like, superhero concepts, I don't get why people get mad about them, because, I mean, they're very flexible as it is. Yeah, especially this old stuff, yeah. like, like I was saying, even back then, it was kind of just whatever is convenient for the story was what they did. Yeah, it was whatever never... will get the comic out that month. Yeah, whatever yeah. will let Jack Kirby draw eight issues in a month, that's what's gonna do. Well... For whatever reason, I didn't know off the top of my head that those were Jack Kirby concepts. So as soon as you told me, them not making sense made sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, all of the new gods and all that stuff is all Kirby. It's just a lot of psychobabble in Kirby comics, and it doesn't really need to actually mean anything. It's just cool stuff for these guys to say. Yep. Anti-life equation, that's just a cool-ass word. Yeah. Well, two words, but yes. Two, well, whatever. <laughs> no, anti-life equation... Oh yeah, okay, two words. Thought typos important for a second. Thought Sorry. you got me. Yeah, <laughs> my brain's still catching up. Um, but yeah, so like I, I also appreciate that Zack Snyder, the stuff that he wants to take and make a movie out of, is this weird shit from Jack Kirby comics. Uh, but when you talk about the flexibility of comic book concepts, I don't think it gets much more flexible than Jack Kirby. You can kind of just do whatever with that shit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, isn't uh isn't the power cosmic also Jack Kirby? I think so. Cuz that's my favorite. That's my favorite of his like made up uh made up bullshit. Cuz that comes from um Silver Surfer, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. Silver Surfer travels with the power cosmic and the power cosmic is anything you need it to be. Yeah. I'm going to use a mother box to resurrect Jack Kirby. Then we're going to have to fight him cuz he'll go mad. <laughs> He's going to think we're Nazis. He's going to think he's back in World War II again. <laughs> so there's two really big action sequences in this movie also. Uh, and the the way that they kind of... So again, when they were trying to put this out and put it in theaters, they probably were going to want to split it in two. And it's yeah. appropriate that there is a very extended action sequence at roughly the halfway point in the movie, uh, which is where they first fight Steppenwolf. They all get beat up. They barely make it out with their lives. Perfect point to cut the first part of this off and let oh, that exist as a movie. I have to mention, that's after one of my favorite parts in the movie, which is where it just shows them all walking upstairs while it has dramatic, like, ch-chung, chung ch-chung, chung chung music. And then they get to, like, a five-foot gap in the rail, and it has to show every one of them jumping across it. Like, one of them, like... Wonder Woman jumps across and then Cyborg flies across Then Batman uses his uh, grappling hook It's like why are you showing me this Everything else they has been in slow motion the, Like this movie could be the like skills and abilities of the characters No now I know Batman has a grappling hook See if, if they <laughs> The took language of film The slow motion out of this movie it would be like two and a half hours There's a solid I mean, two minute argument. scene That's just 
Aquaman taking his shirt off and going into the ocean as a Nick Cave well, song no, plays. You know, you have to leave that in the movie. That's like, that's a load bearing scene, Larry. <laughs> All right. It's the dumbest. Fine. This is the single dumbest meathead part of the movie is this completely unearned Nick Cave song, and I love it. I love that it's probably the result of Scott Snyder just typing Kingdom or King into iTunes like I do when I can't figure out what song to end a podcast with. <laughs> uh, the Wait, there's second... a Nick Cave song in Justice League? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. There is a Kingdom from Boatman's Call. It is... <laughs> It is, a, again, every single time I've heard a Nick Cave song in a movie, it has been completely unearned in that movie. There's that one in the Harry Potter movie that just exists there for no fucking reason at all. That's the other main one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, like, I it can't reminded think of me specifically of that. Um, Red Right Hand has been used in like a lot of movies. Oh, yeah, it's in Hellboy. Yeah. Okay, never mind. There is one where it's absolutely earned, and it's just earned by the virtue <laughs> of it existing in a Hellboy movie. Yeah. El Toro can take whatever song from Nick Cave's discography he wants and it will be completely earned. Uh, but yeah, so that's like the first main action sequence and like that's where the movie started to get pretty interesting to me is when like action actually began to happen. And like from that point on, like I was maybe in that mode of I don't necessarily like this, but I don't hate it. Everything that came before that hated it. Uh, but when it starts to actually like entrench itself more with like we need to fight steppenwolf we need to get the boxes uh heat the box up or something now it's a beacon like that stuff i started to get more invested in for me i got bored with basically all the cyborg stuff because there's a lot of it and so there's a lot of it every time it was kind of that stuff i was like ah come on get get back to the others that i enjoy looking at at least i don't have to like avert my eyes because of this guy looks like Polygon Man. Motherfucker Horrible. looks like he just came out of Scorpion King. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Um, Zack Snyder, like... he, he, can, he constructs some pretty good fight scenes, I think. Like, yeah. even, even when I've hated his movies, I thought, yeah, those fight scenes um, are actually like, they actually seem like a director choreographed them and not like a VFX yeah. studio just took, took the reins for a bit. Yeah, I like that with Superman, like, fighting the Flash, especially, is really good. I think the whole final sequence with them trying to, like, have Cyborg jack into the mother box, and, like, Flash needs to build up enough speed to give him, like, the jolt he needs to actually get in there and not, like, die. Like, that stuff was... I I really love that Flash is just, like, running a loop, like, in the exact same spot, so even a idiot (laughs) parademon looks at it is just, like... I'm just going to shoot this one spot he keeps running at and manages to shoot him. <laughs> but, like, I, I do like Zack Snyder's choreography. I think the action sequences in the, in this movie and even in Batman vs. Superman are very captivating. They're very good. Like, he's... It, the, the only times that I didn't really like it was, again, when he maybe ramped speed at a part that he shouldn't have. And that even seems like kind of a weird fumbling of the ball for Zack Snyder. I guess I, w- I would expect him to be better about that stuff. Um, Should like the... I was gonna say, keep going, but there's something I need to talk about. That's pretty much all I did. I like the action sequences in the movie, and there's a couple really long ones, and they're very good. That's all I had to say. Okay, we have to talk about Martian Manhunter. Okay. <laughs> and 
Martian Manhunter's in the movie? Yes. Martian Manhunter's in a couple scenes in the movie. Yeah. So the the first scene that he's in, there there is a scene where Lois and Ma Kent sit down and they kind of uh they talk about the effect that losing Clark has had on their life and how uh Martha has now lost the farm. And in the Joss Whedon version of this movie, it is in the Daily Planet office. It's very brightly lit. The dialogue is completely awkward and terrible. And there's, for some reason, a guy comes in and wants one of Lois's sources. And it just seems to be this real long walk to towards, like, a classic Joss Whedon, yeah, feminism scene, uh, which seems completely Ugh. disingenuous when you know everything that you do about Joss Whedon. I mean, that's been Joss uh, Whedon's in... whole thing. Yeah, if you've seen one episode of Dollhouse. <laughs> I, I would not. rather not. Yeah, I'm going to keep it that way if it's okay with you. Um, in, in this version of the movie, it's a much more quiet scene. Uh, it is a bit more heartfelt. And yet, I was taken out of it because Martha's acting is so fucking bad in it. Like, she just has this awkward delivery to some of her lines. And I thought, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. That like about a minute into the scene, I was telling myself, "Is this Martian Manhunter? Like, is the reason she's acting so bad is that it's somebody trying to pretend to be Martha Kent?" And then when she leaves the apartment and steps outside, her eyes glow red, and she turns into Martin Martian Manhunter. And I was fucking right. I knew it. I, anyway, I that's it. all he does. That's all he does. And I don't even know why he does that. Why does he just go in there to talk to? Lois for a second Get Lois to go back So she can okay, ta- that talk makes Superman Out of his stupor Or okay. whatever I'm just imagining though later on Lois is trying to like Reminisce with Martha about this meeting they have And Martha's like what the hell are you talking about I never <laughs> yeah. went to your apartment Yeah, it's weird And then that they doesn't put get Martha in a home Yeah they, So um Yeah a- after he turns back into Martian Manhunter Just in this apartment hallway by the way uh, yeah. He's like, uh, Lois, you are the key to all of this, or something. The world needs you too, Lois, is what he says. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the movie, like the epilogue, after the future nightmare, Bruce wakes up, goes out onto the patio, and then Martian Manhunter just floats down. He's like, hey, uh, how you doing? It's me. I didn't help you during any of that fight or anything, but, uh, you know, you're, you're cool. Anyway, see ya. See next ya. movie, bye. <laughs> And he says, like, also, some have called me the Martian Manhunter. And who calls him that? Nobody knows about him. Like, why? Yeah. I thought it was weird how they played a slide whistle and then slid the cell of animation up for Martian Manhunter (laughs) to exit the scene. Yeah. (laughs) No, he says, like, my work here is done, but you didn't do anything. Did I? And then he beams out. Yeah, it's like the tuxedo mask thing of like you yep. didn't do anything at all. Yeah, or Leonard Nimoy, which is what I was talking about. Yeah. But yes. No, I know it is like a shut up a tapestry of similar scenes <laughs> that are not actually taking themselves seriously, and yet this one is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that scene is just like a "Hey, see you next game" kind of thing that's tacked at the end of this. It seems like it should have been like a mid-credits thing, but thankfully this movie just ditches the idea of having anything popping up. In the middle of credits or after credits um, Yeah Unfortunately I sat through all of them to figure that out So that's on me I mean I just um, skipped There's a like skip 15 seconds forward button you know and just I had to pay my respects that. to all these <laughs> Okay 
CG artists who had to get called in during the pandemic to finish this fucking movie. Uh, but yeah, like I, pretty much everything after the bit where they kill Steppenwolf, you have this whole epilogue sequence, and I don't like any of it. Me because either. That's where it's you all get terrible. The nightmare. Yeah. You you get some stuff about like, oh, well, here's where the characters are at now, like uh, Aquaman's saying bye to Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe, and like some of that stuff, like the smaller bits of just like, here's people kind of going back to their lives. That's fine. Yeah, but then sure. when you get to just the extremely indulgent stuff with the nightmare. So I was telling Dylan this, that I think for me, the best analog for J uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is Metal Gear Solid 4. Because this is all one visionary's just unchained okay. vision. Right. It's a lot of long expository scenes. And it uh, should have ended that... with a fight on top of Outer Haven. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's have. a lot of... There's a lot of ridiculous stuff that breaks up those expository scenes, and then you have like an hour-long epilogue. I was expecting that the credits would start, and then it would stop on just Big Boss, Richard Doyle, and then he would show up <laughs> when Batman's got the gun in his mouth in front of Clark's grave and tell and him I that he's got if, more to live for. I said if Big Boss had shown up in this movie, it would have elevated it to the greatest piece of cinema <laughs> of all time. It would have. It would have been great. It would have changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is very much in that vein for me of just especially when you get to the epilogue because similar to the epilogue in metal gear solid 4 it is just absolute self-indulgence on the part of the creator and it just goes on and on and on yeah so i you get to see deathstroke I, with a mohawk though you do really? and that is and that yeah. is good yeah it's pretty yeah. good uh, also, before I get away from that comparison to Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, both of them break up the narrative into chapters and have like a act, like here's the name of this act thing to divide them. And yeah, so, you have like, to wait for the next part to load and you watch Batman smoke. It, well, it's just been yeah, Affleck right. smoking though, like while he's holding a thing of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I was going to say he's just pulling a donut out every now and then yeah. to eat it. Surgeon General's warning, donuts lead to... <laughs> Diabetes, type 2 diabetes, heart right. disease Krispy Kreme's offering donuts With vaccinations, how dare they <laughs> You have an obesity had a problem here. That's better than a COVID problem Yeah, I know uh, Yeah, it. I guess the kindest thing I can say about this movie Coming out the other end of it Is it reminds me of Metal Gear Solid 4 and that's not entirely <laughs> that's not a compliment, good. but it's yeah. the nicest thing that I can say about it. I really did not like Justice League. Uh, by the end of the day, I felt like it just kind of wasted my time to get like a couple good action sequences and a few funny lines out of Jason Mimosa. Yeah, I would not watch it again, but I did not find it to be a, a dire mess like I was expecting. I'd give it like a 4 out of 10. I'd give it like a 3, I guess. Oh, uh, well, huge difference. Yeah, I guess actually. So if I were to rate this on like a system that makes a bit more sense, if I may, <laughs> oh, uh, out of go. all the different members of the Justice League, if I were to kind of like line them up at at the high end, you would have, of course, Batman. Behind him would be Aquaman, and then on the very opposite end would be uh, the Flash, and then Gal Gadot. I would rate this a Gal Gadot out of Batman. <laughs> okay, sure. My 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 question about it is so superhero movies 
generally the audience you want are like 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 kids and their families because or just kids very like stupid superheroes um but like stuff like this and like man of steel and batman versus i was watching batman versus superman when it came out and i thought if i saw this as like a 10 year old this would be a nightmare this would be the worst thing i've ever <laughs> seen in my life yeah nightmare with a I, even, I even thought that with dark knight rises i was like if i was a little kid watching this for batman i'd I'd be miserable. I'd be crying. I was like in my twenties, and I was miserable and crying during the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> and nobody even shot at you. <laughs> oh, I wish they did. Are you kidding me? I would have been able to stop watching that piece of shit movie. Um, yeah, I guess. But also, like Batman says the fuck word, so you can't show this to kids anyway. Well, that guy at the beginning does too, and so does Cyborg. Yeah. They were thinking about Kramer slurring and saying that he lets the expletives fly, but it's Zack Snyder. Because um, like, like Batman vs Superman, he's uh, like walking up to he's walking up to Superman like yeah. I'm gonna slit your throat, motherfucker. Do you do you <laughs> put a gun in your mouth and blow your brains out? Uh, I mean, he does that with Joker in this. Joker like movie... starts talking of the Joker scene. Joker starts talking about like all the people he's killed that matter to Batman. Batman's just like, "Oh, you better watch the next fucking thing you say, Joker." And then, so like, this it... movie, this movie is just made for weirdos on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was made because a... of weirdos on Reddit. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's just playing to the home audience. Like Ezra Miller plays the uh, the ideal audience for these movies. Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's the, the uh, yeah. Now the the Joker sequence, there's a bit of like Batman going like, "Oh, when Harley Quinn died in my arms, she made me promise to kill you slowly, and I'm gonna make good on that promise." Joker, it's just God, it's the fucking worst. It's the worst scene in the entire movie. It's either that or it is the first flashing. It, it's between those two. I liked the bit with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke though, on the yacht. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, where he's like, uh, "All right, you know what? I'll give you a little hint. Batman's name is Bruce Wayne." And then Deathstroke's yeah. like, "Yeah, all right, let's have some champagne." Yeah, and but it also is like a little weird pacing wise that you go from that scene of setting up Deathstroke is going to target Bruce yeah. Wayne and try to kill Batman to now Deathstroke and Batman are working together in the future, and also he has a mohawk. Yeah, so like it's it, just. Yeah, it you can so I know that the boat scene did exist in the theatrical cut. I think it was oh. like a mid credit sequence. And so oh. you can very much tell that the whole like flash forward thing right after that is inserted specifically for this. Like outside of the fact that we know that that's part of what they did reshoots for. It it feels it in the pacing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember like seeing something about the deathstroke part. Yeah. I didn't pay any attention to that movie when it came out in theaters because I didn't care. Uh, but it I do just, like uh, uh, it the guy up on like a YouTube feed for me, and I was like, I like Deathstroke. So yeah, I, I like the guy it. playing Slade too. He's good. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, look, a lot of good acting on. That's good. Not as... acting. I'm sorry. Not oh, a lot Perlman. of good casting. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good I casting watch... in this movie and Insiders other movies. Is just occasionally you get a Gal Gadot thrown in there somewhere. I'd watch a Zack Snyder Deathstroke movie. Yeah, because you know, you know, he probably yeah, sure. thinks Deathstroke is badass and like, I do. the coolest guy ever. Sure, yeah. why not? You would not be wrong about that. <laughs> exactly. No, no, like Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder probably thinks Deathstroke did nothing wrong. Oh, well, you you're know. telling me he did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, any final thoughts on Justice League? No, I already gave you my review. Okay. I just wanted to make sure before we did we ratings on. and everything. Yeah, well, I it's, just it's been an hour. To make sure it has been an hour. We get, we got one hour of content out of this four hour long movie. Was it worth it? Yes. All right. Hey, Dylan. Yes. Which do you want to talk about more first, Sonic the Hedgehog or Larry's thing? Because <laughs> it's time for Retro Corner. Mine won't be that long, actually. Yeah, let's then we start, should let's probably with, do Larry's thing. Let's start with Larry's before we get into the uh, the fun yeah. stuff. Hey, do you like stealth games? I, I do like them. stealth games. All right, what kind of stealth games do you like? Metal Gear Solid Four. No, Thief. Shut up. All right, that's more like it. You like games where you slink around in the shadows, not run around like an idiot and hide behind cubes. Uh. <laughs> Occasionally spray guys with a FAMAS or something I played the Splinter Cell games The first three, anyway Recently uh, Via backwards compatibility on Xbox Which I'll come back to later Because I wonder if there's something odd here I don't remember being an issue in the original game uh, But a beloved by some, including me Tom Clancy series Which is apparently not beloved by Ubisoft because they have not released a Splinter Cell game in like eight years now. Except they talking about they're putting Sam in that like uh, cell phone thing. Well, that and he's also in both of the Ghost Recon games, and he's also in Rainbow Six Siege. But they can't bother to make an actual Splinter Cell game. I mean, how dare you ask for more? They're putting Sam in things, Larry. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. <laughs> um. So anyway, Splinter Cell uh was a uh, I don't know, 2003 or so Xbox game uh, Probably 2002, I think And um, Obviously Visually very impressive for its time Especially its use of shadows uh, And how that ties into the gameplay Because you're sneaking around in shadows Of course it never entirely made sense Because it's based around the shadows On the ground And so you can be in an area with shadows on the ground Even though the guard really should be able to see you like sticking out very clearly, but you're invisible to them. Whatever. Video games. They didn't have ray tracing back then. Um, I'll imagine if they did. Yeah. It'd have been cool. See those tech demos of people putting ray tracing on the Nintendo 64? Just a waste of time. Yeah. That's true of everything involving the Nintendo 64. <laughs> so, Splinter Cell 1... Uh, great game for its time Now it's clunky it, The shooting actually always was bad Specifically because the aiming of Like where the bullet hits Is entirely random within the crosshair And so sometimes just trying to hit a light It can mean you're just like Plugging five or six times At what should have hit the first time uh, But really you shouldn't be Shooting guys anyway um, Especially because like Enemies in that game, if they see you, they're raising an alarm, like, immediately. They don't have to run to an alarm to set it off or anything. As soon as they see you, bam, alarm. And they will see you because they, they're very observant people. Yeah, and that's also what always their frustrated me about, about Splinter Cell games is that, because I played it on PS2, and it's like you had to just master the levels because yeah. if you got caught once, you might as well just reload to last checkpoint, and the last checkpoint was always, like, two hours away from where you currently were. <laughs> 
So, well, the checkpoints I found to not really be an issue, but yeah, every time I got caught, I was just like, whatever, I'll just restart from the checkpoint. Um, and, uh, but yes, because if you get caught, they raise an alarm, and um, you can shoot your way out of it, I guess, if you want, but you die really fast in general. And so, and if you hit a certain amount of alarms, which depends on the mission, there are a lot of them that just, it's like one mission in your your, or uh, one alarm and the mission's over uh, and uh, Lambert will be like good god Fisher which is always fun because you'll hear it a lot um, but the biggest problem with Splinter Cell 1 is the forced combat sequences I don't know why they thought these were a good idea there are like three of them in the first game and all of them are terrible and it's kind of the the worst part about it that's, that's a thing with that's would... a weird thing with stealth games is yeah. that they all have these like sections where you have to just like unload a bunch of ammunition because they're afraid they've like lulled you into a sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say that they're worried about the audience getting or the player rather getting bored or something. Because that is definitely like a thing in Metal Gear Solid games as well. Well yeah. That's what I always liked like about Thief fights. is that is that the Thief games, there was never really any spot where you were forced out of stealth. You could sneak the whole game. Yeah, well, this has like I'm trying to think. There, there was a bit on a roof where you're trying to uh, escape a building. There was one where you're protecting these two hostages in two different rooms, which that's really annoying because you have these turrets that you can disable the friendly fire on, except they like don't shoot fast enough. Like enemies will just run straight past them and chuck a grenade in the hostage room, so you might as well not bother because you can't set it to only target enemies; it'll just target whoever. And so if you run in front of it. You'd get shot too. And that's so that's the part I'm wondering if this is an issue with backwards compatibility. Because I don't remember it being a problem back then. But if you disable the um like enemy identification thing on the turret so it will shoot the enemy, as soon as it hits them, they know exactly where you are and will just shoot at you and like completely ignore the turret. Like uh. as if you're shooting them yourself. And I don't because that, that sounds also, like an introduced bug. Th- yeah, because I yeah. don't. Yeah, I'm not sure, but that's also I... a very strange thing because it also happens in the sequel, Pandora Tomorrow. Huh. Exact same thing. Well, I was that does seem introduced to me too. So I have not played the Splinter Cell games, uh, but that seems like such a weird oversight. I don't know how they would put that in the game originally at all, let alone have it happen in both of them. Yeah, well, I can tell you why, because Pandora Tomorrow is basically just a level pack for Splinter Cell 1, except the levels oh, well, are all okay. terrible. Um, oh. that, that's not true. Because my memory my memory is that Splinter Cell gets really good at Chaos Theory. Yes. That is where Correct. it like gets becomes amazing. The first two are just serviceable. I mean, I really like 1 in general, um, especially for its time, and like it was doing something different than like... It's like at that point, basically the only stealth games were Metal Gear, Thief, and I guess Deus Ex. Hitman is kind of more of a puzzle game, really. But sure. Um, But uh, yeah, Pandora Tomorrow, it adds some things. I will say the enemy AI is a bit more lenient in it. Uh, They are more likely, if they get a glimpse of you, to just be like, Hey, what was that? I'll go check it out, instead of just immediately shoot you in the head as soon as they see you um 
it has one really good level, which is on a train, and you're like crawling on a pipe underneath the train to get to another car, and then you get on top, and then there's another part where you're on the side, and you time like shimming past windows when the enemies are looking away, and that's a good level. The rest of it sucks, especially because here's the thing. When you think of Splinter Cell, what's the first thing you think of? The lighting, right? The whole thing is staying in shadows. And the lighting system is completely busted in Pandora Tomorrow. Like, you have a visibility meter that tells you exactly how visible you are, I guess, as as you would guess. And you can be going through areas that are just identically shadowed and just see it, like, Bouncing around all over the place And you can be like in pitch black darkness And an enemy will see you Because for some reason uh, You're like half visible This was not an issue in the first game But it is in the second uh, The second was not made by Ubisoft Montreal It was made by Ubisoft Shanghai Who as far as I know have not made another game I think they're like a support studio for other stuff Which, uh, sure because that was the thing when See, I was when I was playing this, I was like, "Oh, this must have come out like right after the first one, and it was just something they crapped out, and then they spent longer on Chaos Theory." But actually, there were two years between the first game and this one, and then Chaos Theory came out the year after Pandora Tomorrow, because that was the actual like Ubisoft Montreal team was doing Chaos Theory. But what? So, because uh, I was actually gonna like posit that that uh do you think this was just like they gave this to like a different studio while the actual studio was working on the official sequel but yeah that sounds like exactly what happened yep that is exactly what happened um so yeah pandora tomorrow real bad don't recommend it um also a big part of that is that it has a lot of outdoor areas um like a lot of it is in indonesia and so you have this tall grass except the game engine does not account for like grass occluding sight like it's just entirely based on shadow so it doesn't matter if you're hidden in grass or not enemies will still see you depending on how light it is I don't know it, it's just not great also the plot is bizarre like the Splinter Cell is usually about sort of information based threats uh, like about preventing wars and uh, di- diplomacy and that kind of thing like in the first one um You've got a rogue Chinese general And you're trying to uh, keep him from starting a war By making it clear he's not affiliated with the actual Chinese government All this stuff And the second, it's just like This guy who's not Che Guevara Is going to set off a bunch of disease bombs And then there's also this weird part where You follow this lady And she's supposed to be uh, showing you where this underground base is And you get into the elevator to go in the base And then Lambert immediately is like Alright Sam, you gotta shoot her I'm not going to tell you why. Do it now. Do it. Shoot her in the head. Bam. Do it. And so you do it. And he's like, all right, great. And Sam's like, you going to tell me why I did that? And he's like, eh, maybe later. And he never brings it up again. When did the second game come out? 2004? Three? Okay. I, think four. I was wondering if, if the whole plot of that is Che Guevara has dirty bombs, if that is coinciding when, like, dirty bomb was a thing that kind of entered the public Probably. consciousness. That um, definitely sounds like a of-the-era sort of storytelling decision. Yeah. But it's just strange that they went in that direction for a sequel, because Chaos Theory goes back to 
the whole like opsec thing that the series really is in general. Um, well, you know, Zelda Two is a side scroller, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second the second game is where you diverge and see what works and what doesn't. But the um, so two it does add some good things, which is like the whole aiming while you're uh, hanging is introduced in two. Um, oddly, they got rid of the stealth opening doors thing. In the first one, you could just open door normally, or you could open stealth. Except in the first game, that just means you open it a crack, and then you can push forward to open it all the way. It's not like in three where you have sort of analog control over the door. Um, and in two, you can open doors while carrying bodies, which is nice because it means you don't have to plop them down and then open the door and then pick them up and get through before it closes automatically. Um, but yeah, so. Pandora tomorrow, not great. But then Chaos Theory. Uh is very the, good. Yeah. One of the best stealth games ever made. IMO. Um also, something I should mention is uh I had forgotten how funny Sam Fisher is. That he's just like his character is really good and it makes me miss him even more. That they have like no interest in apparently doing anything with him in his own game. Uh just like his sarcastic responses to Lambert during it, all of that stuff. And so that's one of the main highlights of Chaos Theory, is that now when you grab guys, uh, you can interrogate a whole lot more of them. And the first game is basically just, uh, like, sort of story-based. You have to interrogate this guy or get, get a door code from them or something. But in Chaos Theory, basically one guy in every area will have something to say and... He'll give you, like, there's an ammo cache on the third floor or something, and that bit's all good. Um, uh, oh, another thing I hated about Pandora Tomorrow, to go back to it. The first game is very good about telling you, like, to get into the next area, you're going to need uh, this general to open a retinal scanner, or something like that. Pandora Tomorrow loves to not tell you things until you've probably already done it. Uh, like, I was going through a submarine, which, by the way, is just a recycled level from um, the first game. It was like a DLC level, but it's like the exact same interior. Uh, a guy comes in, and so I knock him out. And then it's like, oops, mission failed. You were supposed to use him to open a door later. Thanks. It's a kind of trial-by-error way of teaching people what to do in the game. Yeah, but we'll, or like, um, you grab a guy, you use him for a retinal scanner and go through, and it's like, all right, I'll knock him out. Mission failed. You're supposed to use him again for another scanner later, or something like that. Because it takes so long, like, you go through the door, and then, like, Lambert will come in over the radio, it's like, Sam, we just got some intelligence from blah, 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 blah. you're going to need him to open another door. Like, stop. You know how long it takes to use a retinal scanner? Have that message come up then and have him tell me instead of waiting until I get through and I'm going to knock him out. None of this matters. There, there was something I was I playing Pandora recently tomorrow. that... I'm trying to remember what it was. There was Dylan just left. That I, was playing that... I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um, still here. That's why I'm going to do the Sonic segment, so get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with Larry because I, I had all the Splinter Cell games uh, back in the day 
and I didn't. I got maybe like two levels into Pandora tomorrow. Yeah, I just it, did not care. Yeah, that's the thing. I I remembered not liking it, but I couldn't tell you why until I replayed it now. I was like, yeah, I was right at the time. <laughs> I don't know that Splinter I ever finished Cell one. It. Splinter Cell one, I found too frustrating to finish. Uh, two, I did not want to finish it all, but three, I loved. Yeah, yeah, but but that's kind of the thing is. If I was recommending someone to play it, I would say probably play the first one because, like, not you don't have to finish it, but Splinter Cell has a specific method of gameplay that if you just jumped into Chaos Theory, you'd probably be a bit confused by it. Um, although Chaos Theory also has the issue of its opening two levels being the worst in the game. Uh, where the first one is kind of just that linear one with the lighthouse, and it's eh, it's fine, whatever. It's kind of showing you you can puncture generators, you can cut holes in tents, all that cool stuff. Um, and then the second is the one on the ship, and that's boring because it's just going through corridors and all of this in tight spaces. It's not very fun. Then you get to the third one, which is the bank, and that's when it gets good. So you're just like rappelling in and going through lasers and grabbing guys and making them open doors and hacking computers and planning fake emails and all this stuff. Man, Chaos Theory is good. How many levels is it? I don't know. Like total. Uh, I just want to want to bring back and normalize people doing interviews for games and saying, how many levels are in the game? (laughs) I missed that. Did you know Chaos Theory has the same director as Far Cry 2? Correct. Clint Hawking. Yes, one of my favorite directors, based solely on two games he's made. Yeah, um, the very first game has a shout out to Clint Hawking in it. Uh, his name appears on like a a scrolling, like a LED board or something in one of the break rooms. Hmm. Um. So, should I play the these first two Splinter Cells, or are they something no. that I'm going to end up hating? Okay, well. Well, yeah, like I said, maybe play the first one to get a sense of it before you play Chaos Theory. Yeah, well, but well it sounds like for sure the second one is something that I should just avoid based on what you're saying. Well, but kind, the, kind the, of the, the way that... The issue here, though, is I think you kind of have to play the console version of it, because from what I remember, the PC version... Like, the movement in it is really awkward, because I don't think it really has actual gamepad controller control support. Um, and so you're kind of just basically dealing with emulated keyboard, and it's not good. I was going to say I could maybe bust out an emulator, but it is original Xbox and not 360, so I don't know what that would even look like. Yeah, I mean, you, you could just emulate it on PS2. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. I've That version, though, is not great. I mean, I again, I've not played Splinter Cell, but I do get the sense that like the Xbox version is the version that yeah. is what people associate with Splinter Cell. Yeah, the PS2 one I remember not being good, um, and that There's was a... that was the problem. Was then they did uh, like an HD collection on PS3, but it was just the PS2 versions. So there, there is someone selling a Xbox PC, uh, roughly in my area that I've seen a few times on a local marketplace. Which is just a PC someone built inside the shell of an Xbox, except they're charging like six hundred dollars for it, and it looks like it will burn my house down if I plug that into the wall. Pretty cool. Yeah, I I need to link you a picture of that at some point, Larry. Just the way it is put together looks dangerous. Yeah. Um. 
but I'd probably play Splinter, Splinter Cell. So <laughs> there you go. But one of the things I really like about Splinter Cell is that they keep coming up with gimmicks uh, throughout the levels. For example, there's one part in the first one where there are some bad guys uh, inside this building with a tin roof, uh, sort of like a favelas-looking thing, you know, just like sheet metal. And so you have to walk on these uh, platforms that are kind of above it so you don't make noise, and then also while avoiding the... uh, the lights nearby because they're like skylights uh, so they can see you in there if you don't time it when going past it correctly and things like that are neat um pandora tomorrow does have one cool segment like that which is where there's a guard in a tower using night vision goggles and so you have to stay in the spotlight while going across this courtyard because then he can't see you and so you know the, eh, neat things like that throughout it um, and Chaos Theory has more things kind of like that, where you just generally have more options. The the levels are a lot more open, in general. Um, the levels in the first one are kind of just room to room. You don't have a whole lot of uh, experimentation you can do. Um, and basically, once you get to the bank level in Chaos Theory, you have a lot more freedom to make your way between the various areas. You have objectives that you don't have to do but you can they kind of alter the story a little bit here and there like if you don't do something in one mission you might have to have an uh, additional objective in a later one oh, i guess man. that's kind of where the title comes I, through i like reminded me of something else sonic no uh, <laughs> i I'm, I'm not going to get into it too much but i've started playing persona 2 Oh. And there is a lot of you are presented a dialogue choice, and it absolutely matters what you choose on those dialogue choices. Okay. Uh, for for example, the first boss fight is against the principal of your school, and he jumps out a window after you defeat him to his death. And then a student comes in and is like, "Shit, is the principal dead?" And your options are either, "Yeah, he died," or "No, he made it." And since that the, the world of Persona Two rumors are becoming a reality. Because you told the student he died, he will have died because it will have been solidified in rumor. But if you say he lived, he will still live because it's solidified in rumor. And so you end up triggering events further into the game based on the rumors that you start. So it's Kentucky Route Zero. It is It is Kentucky Route Zero. Okay. Got it. Anyway, is great. I love that game. I'm having fun with it so far. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to get into it too much. It just, it immediately reminded me of that because I was playing that last night, so. Okay. That's why I like Chaos Theory is because uh, the levels are designed beef-like where it's just a great big map and you can approach it however you want. Mm-hmm. And unlike other stealth games, Splinter Cell, like Thief, gives you a very clear indicator of how visible you're being. Yes. Also, other stealth games will just, just have implied that you're hidden Mm-hmm. I like it better when games are very overt, like, hey, you are in completely in shadow right now, and no one can see you. Right. And Chaos Theory, yeah. The, Rules that make sense. Again, the visibility is back like it was in the first one. It makes sense again. Um, and Chaos Theory also adds the noise meter. And what, a cool thing about that is that it will ha- show you, like, the level of ambient noise in a room. So if you're in a generator room with a whole bunch of heavy machinery going, you could kind of just run full sprint around and nobody would notice um yeah you also have a lot more there's more reason to use the gadgets 
like in the other games like you kind of never really needed to um like sticky cameras and shockers and airfoil rounds and whatever uh here they have a lot more uses especially if you want to get a higher mission rating uh, by not killing anybody or I think to get a hundred percent, you have to like not even knock them out. Is that right? Like I, I think, think so. you just yeah, have to completely kinda, ghost it. Like a, which I like. I like. I love stealth games that let you ghost. Yeah. Like well, you, I'm not good enough to ghost any stealth game, but I like the option. Yeah. Um, and you can also hack keypads now, so you don't have to get the codes from people if you don't want to. I will say, uh. The greatest, like the hardest enemy in Chaos Theory, is enemies sitting in chairs, uh, because trying to grab them from behind, like pretty much never. I always quick save before I have to grab someone in a chair, because half the time I walk up to them and they just immediately go on alert before I even get any sort of prompt to grab them. You have to shoot them in the head. No, I need them alive. That's see, that's how I play stealth games. I get the SOCOM and I just run through going blah 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 till everyone Salt Snake was here. Yeah, and then Lambert goes, Good God, Fisher. <laughs> see, that's my problem with ghosting thief is that I'm always like, Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock out any guard, I'm not even gonna interact with them. But then I end up panicking and just like hitting them over the head and it's like a guard who's just standing in one place and doesn't move at all. Well you know, the the best thing about Pandora tomorrow, um so sometimes, like, if you kill a civilian or something, like, Lambert will be like, Fisher, have you lost your mind? And all of this stuff before you get the mission failed thing. There was one building I went into, and I just, like, shot a couple of guys. There was one guy in there that looked like an enemy, and so I shot him. And turns out that was a guy I was supposed to rendezvous with. And I, <laughs> I got a mission failed screen that said, Mission failed. You are out of your mind. <laughs> and I had a good laugh at that. I was like, "All right, this is the good. That's the best thing in this game." Um, what would you rate the Splinter Cells ratings? Um, Splinter Cell One, I would give probably a seven out of ten. Like if you consider the time when it came out and everything, there are things about that are clunky and the movement, especially. Uh, I forgot to mention that, like the movement and. Chaos Theory is way better than it was in one, and by extension, Pandora Tomorrow. Um, specifically the jumping and like grabbing on ledges and everything, because it's super clunky in the first, and sometimes they sort of ask you to do things that the game is maybe not equipped for in that regard. Um, but yeah, I'd give it probably seven out of ten. Pandora Tomorrow, uh, two, maybe. Maybe one, I don't know I have no interest in ever playing that I'll give it a two because of the train level That's good um, Well it's also then, the second game So it makes sense that you give it a number two I'm sorry Go on Chaos Theory uh, 9.5 out of 10 One of the best games of Damn. all time Love it uh, It's kind of the main reason play, That I was replaying these sure. Also, you should you know play what? the first one just to appreciate how good Chaos Theory yeah. feels. Yeah, that too. Also, uh, the first game, the opening cutscene is a "Listen, all you mother, mother, mother." That song, the calling all freaks. That's the name of the game. Uh. I don't know why that is like the theme song to Splinter Cell One. Uh, Chaos Theory has the weird opening cutscene that doesn't let you skip it until a certain point in it 
and I'm not sure. Like, I guess that was supposed to hide loading. Well, that was what I thought, except it's always at the same point, kind of, that it lets you skip it. But not, like, exactly. I would think that it's... Yeah, I would think that's masking a a load then, if it's not doing it at the precise same point, but it's doing roughly in the same point. Yeah, well, it's the exact same thing as the Max Payne 3 cutscenes, where they would, like, sometimes let you skip it a certain amount into it, even though load times were pretty fast in that game. Like, if you just hit continue from the main menu, you'd be in the level, like, in a couple of seconds. I've been thinking about Max Payne 3 a lot lately. I, I could tell. Because you sent me that video Yeah, yeah, specifically There's a bit, uh There have been a few moments in the past where I've really wished That, like, older consoles had the ability to just Capture footage baked in Uh, there was one with Max Payne 3 With the stadium level Where you, like, go through a window and it's the last Guy in the level you have to clear out And I dumped two Uzis directly Into his crotch (laughs) In slow motion, just focuses Right on it, and then it hard cuts to Max out of breath Running up to the other guy and going, I got him. <laughs> Which has been really good as like just that clip, but I couldn't get it. It's on the fucking 360. Yeah. Um, I should uh, replay that game. But yes, Chaos Theory, fantastic. You should play it at some point. Not really sure how, but. I would play it on the Xbox 360, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. So actually, oh, you, you could do that. There you go. Yeah. I just have to find them. I wonder how much they are on uh, the Electronic Bay. Well, they were just uh, on sale on Xbox Live for oh, well, $4 okay. or something. That's Please, why I just Larry, decided to the buy Xbox them. Network. Oh, yes, Xbox Network. We uh, have to we have to follow the branding that corporate sent us. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I should maybe check those out. I've been kind of wanting to build up a bit more of an Xbox 360 collection actually. Uh, just because there's a lot of stuff I had that I liked that I ended up selling. Well, Chaos um, Theory is an original for... Xbox game. Sure, but like along the same lines, though, like I would like to find Jets at Radio Future because that will play on a 360, and I've not played that game. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff I want to collect for that console. There's stuff that's for that console that has later been re-released that I would rather get re-released versions of, of course. But, uh, but yeah, like. Building up another game collection has been on my mind, and the 360 and original Xbox has kind of been like what I've been leaning towards. I just no. don't know what that market looks like, actually. Well, I, I think they're fine, like price wise. I think this is probably, probably. the time to get them before they yeah. start going up like everything else has. Now, I have a question. Sure. For future retro corners, what do you define retro as? Because we're getting into an odd area now. For Retro Corner, it's been anything PlayStation 2 and back. Uh, and the way that I've kind of defined... The way that I've kind of defined that is the PlayStation 2 was a console that existed when I was in my teens. So if I'm in adulthood, it stops kind of being retro to me, I guess, and well, the 360 era was kind of like start of adulthood. And the 360 that... came out when I was in the teens, so... Yeah, you're a, you're a young lad. I had been grooming you for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so the reason I bring this up is because I have not yet played Splinter Cell Double Agent, and there are two versions of that, and I would like to compare and contrast them for Retro Corner because it came out on the original Xbox and the 360, and they're different games. Uh, like, I think that's, that's fine. Weird, I, I, I think 
I think there's like a cutoff point because if you had said yeah. um, we're doing Resistance Fall of Man for Retro Corner, I'd say yeah, that was like yeah, yeah. 15 years ago. I think exactly. that's perfectly retro. But, but if you said oh, yeah. we're doing Max Payne three, I'd be like oh, that's that's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, that that's what yeah. I was thinking. Like technically, like at this point, the 360 is two generations ago. Um, yeah, but that still seems fresh to me. Well, at it, least to me personally, that still seems kind of fresh. Yeah, but... I, that that's my point here is that even though it's only two generations generations back, it was fifteen years ago. That's I was going to say the thing you have to kind of consider with the Xbox three hundred and sixty generation is that generation so went on for fucking ever. Yeah, yeah, it was like an eight year long console cycle. And so was the PS four um, Xbox One generation. So was PS four, presumably so will the PS five. Oh no. Uh, yes, <laughs> it it absolutely will. Um. I, I don't know. It's kind of tough to say because there are some things that, like, towards the start of that generation that absolutely feel retro to me by this point. But I think part of it, too, is just when you're looking at what's old with 3D specifically, things started to really get figured out in that generation, whereas they were still, like, we're kind of finding our way around this medium up through the PlayStation 2 generation. Yeah. But I also think even in that generation, like what Dylan was saying, I wouldn't really consider Saints Row 3 retro. Yeah. Even though kind of depends on where it falls. That generation, but yeah. Well, I'll, look, if you want to do a retro corner thing, retro for you is going to be different, I think, than what is retro for me. For my version of retro corner, I've kind of just... My cutoff has been the PlayStation 2 era. Okay. So if you want to talk about a 360 game, that's fine. Because, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, if I sat down and played Jet Set Radio Future, to me, that would seem retro at this point. Because that was a very early Xbox. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Xbox, not Xbox 360. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I, I keep I keep thinking that because I never had an original Xbox. But, like, if you and played... So every time I think about playing it, it's just on the 360. If you played Oblivion... Like that would feel like a retro game, right? That would that would feel yeah, that would feel absolutely. retro to me. Yeah. See. Yeah. That is, well, again, if, for me, it's a little weird because some of that stuff, like I was in college when I played it, and it's hard for me personally, my view of what is considered retro to view something that is like adulthood as being retro at this point. Yeah, well, take your Geritol and shut up, old man. <laughs> Go hang out with Dan Avidan. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Too fucking far, Dylan. <laughs> nah, he wouldn't have any interest in George. He's too old. <laughs> oh god! Well, I was reading in an article that he once did this to like a thirty-year-old woman. So really, I think it just doesn't matter for him. He'll fuck anybody. I mean, that's kind of his whole gimmick. That's the thing. Yeah. How, how you get surprised by that? It's like a Joey Ryan, the wrestler, when that happened. It's like, yeah, yeah okay. Sure. I can't believe Mr. Sex Bang is not a reputable person. You know, I was I was telling George, I was like, because um he did do serious music before he pivoted to Ninja Sex Party in his thirties. Um and what an one embarrassing of the albums, time to pivot to Ninja Sex Party. What the fuck? But he, he made an album under the name Sky Hill that I really like. Like I actually really like that album. It's like it's got a Depeche Mode U2 thing going on that is I think is great. So every time the a new Ninja Sex Party video gets released, it's just terminally embarrassing. I do like Depeche Mode because again, I'm extremely old. I thought you hated. I them. love Depeche Mode. No, I love. I like Depeche Mode. Hmm. Okay, that's not what I heard. Yeah. 
I don't know who told you, told you that, me that but you I enjoy never, it. You told me you never want to play as Rochelle in Left 4 Dead 2 because she wears the Depeche <laughs> Mode shirt. I think I might have just been fucking with you if that's the thing I actually said. I think you were confusing them with Joy Division, actually. I might have been confusing them with... Yeah, that that might be the case. There was an image that I saw recently that was a bunch of different like meme faces associated with like lists of what music somebody would enjoy, and I'm very thankful that I'm just an amalgamation of all of them, but not a specific one of them. Like... I don't have any one genre of music that I seem to ascribe to more than anything else. Yeah, you do. 80s New Wave. Come on. 80s Wave is, is my favorite, too. I mean, it is pretty good. But I also George. listen to a lot of trash pop from Japan. Rap music George, you want to be on here? Huh? You want to hear be on here to talk about some cartoon rap when we could have been talking about the patch mode? <laughs> so, Larry brought up shadows a lot and let me tell you about a little right. guy uh, he's the ultimate life form i'm he's gonna got get up hover stretch for a little bit have fun <laughs> i had meant to record like clips of larry saying stuff so i could just insert them as digital larry throughout this whole thing <laughs> um all right this is the real meat of it uh i played sonic adventure i played sonic adventure 2 People like one of those games. They never want to talk about the other one. It drives me insane because I think Sonic Adventure 1 is a better game than Sonic Adventure 2. Really? Huh. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I can't really prove you wrong. Because um, I like both. I like both pretty equally. Alright, I think we should just, I, like, get right into Sonic Adventure 1 then and just go okay, yeah, game yeah. to game. So Sonic Adventure uh, 1... Uh, I play, I replayed a bit of it on Dreamcast to prepare for this, which is the and version of it you should play because DX yes. is very bad. That's that's the thing that really bugs me about Sonic Adventure One is that it has this reputation as like a buggy mess because um the the what is it the game groomers played it and they did really bad. <laughs> they like kept they kept intentionally glitching it. Which is like, yeah, if you're playing the DX port, of course it's going to be glitchy. That's like a disastrous port. Well, the, the, the original one, I would say I had a lot of issues with, too. But yeah, the DX, for me, part of it is just the visual changes that I, that they made, I think, are actually kind of detrimental to yeah, the aesthetic I, of the game. I don't like shiny Sonic at all. Yeah, me either. I, I need Sonic's mouth to move in various shapes that are, like, hexagonal and stretch his entire head out and his quills move for no reason. And I can only get that to its full extent in the original Dreamcast version of the game. And I mean, the Dreamcast version is glitchy because making a game like Sonic in 3D on that console was probably not, like, cut and dry. No. Well, there is a... Specifically in the Dreamcast version, I don't actually remember if it's there in the DX version of the game because it's been a long time since I played DX. But uh, if you hit, like, stairs for example you know you got a, a small lip there's a little bit of an incline there if sonic touches that right on the edge he starts to just vibrate around a lot and kind of get stuck on things like there's a lot of just hitting geometry and needing to pull sonic out of it and get him back on track uh which gets incredibly frustrating especially when you do that in like the chow gardens and you have to pick up an animal and it's just like kind of on the edge of something and so sonic is shaking around trying to pick it up See, I never, ever played the Chow Gardens in my entire life. So. Yeah, well, I made, so... Me either. also remind everybody I also said about this. That. I was like, I never bothered <laughs> with the Chow Gardens. I have no idea why you would. Uh, well, you know, if you wanted to get all the emblems in the game, unfortunately, you have to fuck around with I don't. the Chow Gardens. You would have to be a real sick, twisted psychopath to want to <laughs> get all the emblems in the game. Like, some real fucked up creepo. 
So I got all the emblems of both of these games, uh, which in Sonic Adventure the first is not as hard as it is in Sonic Adventure 2. And in the first Sonic Adventure, uh, everyone's action stages are divided into A, B, and C missions. C is the easiest one. It's the one that you get for just completing it in the story. B They're is like usually... Seinfeld plots. Like exactly. The, the A yes. plots. Like Jerry's over and here. B... And B, you have to get out of the Chinese restaurant without uh, paying the check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought... I thought the scene where Steinbrenner yelled at Knuckles was a little weird. I'm not sure why they put that like in the final act of the game, but um, I thought it was a the... good touch that uh, Sonic lost the bet instantly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Eggman, my son tells me your company stinks. Uh, hey, Sonic, it's Tails. Knuckles is dead. Steinbrenner's here. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, the, the the B mission is usually collect 100 rings and get to the end of, end of the level. And then the third one is usually a time attack based thing, except the time that it gives you is generally pretty generous in the first Sonic Adventure game. I didn't really have any trouble. Like there were maybe one or two levels where I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, damn, I'm like 30 seconds off or something. I need to figure out how to tighten this up. Also, speed speed running is incredibly easy because when you spin dash, there's no delay for you to yeah. spin dash again. Just mash that so fucker. Can... So it's really just about controlling Sonic's uh, incredible momentum. You can also leverage how broken the game is by like just spin dashing awkwardly on certain objects and flinging yourself across the level, or just like clipping through geometry because they didn't think to put any kind of a barrier there because they didn't expect you to get up there. So. Like, I actually kind of find some of the A-rank missions fun for that reason of just, if you know the game well enough, you can break it in some pretty hysterical ways. That's why I think it's way more fun than the boost games, which feel so, like, tightly choreographed and scripted. They go back to Sonic Adventure, where you can just, it's like a sandbox of jank. I kind of talked about this on the podcast that I think Unleashed was maybe the last bastion of that, because there's still a lot of things that they, they put geometry way up in the air because they expect that you could boost in the air and fling past a lot of the level elements on like the you know on the ground and so they design around that which is pretty smart and then they completely abandoned that for the rest of the boost games for some reason um to the point that now like forces if you do that you can just skip the entire level in some cases uh, but yet like I, the issues I have with Sonic Adventure are just that it does not control good. So for as much as I can break the game in ways I find very fun, there's still stuff of just, I got snagged on a wall and now I got to yank Sonic out of it or Sonic's vibrating through the ground and now I'm dead. Uh, There were some cases, the, the light speed dash is very awkward because if you get a magnetic shield and you need to light speed dash across something and you have no way to get rid of the shield, the shield will pick up the rings, and now you can't light speed dash. So it's time to throw Sonic off the level and try again. My problem with uh, Sonic Adventure One is I love the Sonic stages. I think they're really, they're really fun. They're really well designed. Um, I hate every other stage in the game. Every other character. <laughs> See, I I like uh, I like E102's levels. I like the shooty levels. I think they're kind of fun. Uh, I, I think, think they're that too they're short in... to. They're too short to be anything. Yeah, they're pretty short. But I, the I ones do in, think that the they ones in two are too. 
Yeah, they control better than the ones and two is what I was going to say. Well, it's, it's weird because the ones and one are way too short. They're like 50 seconds and then the boss can just be spammed. And then the ones in Sonic Adventure yeah. 2 are like 10 minutes long. Uh-huh. Yeah, some there's of the like no, in the game. There's no middle ground they found. I think actually if you broke down like the way that the levels are divided up in two, that there might actually be more shooting missions than there are like speed missions. Oh, yeah, because um, Eggman and Sonic and two have the same amount of stages, which is six. Yeah, but then Shadow so, only has four, and then I think yeah. Tails has like five. I want to say Tails has Tails has the worst fucking levels in that oh, whole yeah. game. Those are pretty bad. We'll we'll, we'll get to that thing. <laughs> um, I yes. like the Knuckles missions in Sonic Adventure One because they are actually fairly short. Uh, the nicest thing I can say about them is you can get them done pretty fast and never have oh, to touch them ever again. I like I really like the treasure hunting stages in two. I, I do not like them in either game, but at least in one, they're shorter, and you could just be done with them. Uh, the Big the Cat levels are also, like, <laughs> mercifully brief, yeah, uh, because they, they didn't the really flesh that mode out at all. There's not much you can, get real, like, really get out of it, but then, like, in the same respect, it also just feels like an absolute time waste. Like, the, it just is the worst, shittiest mode in the entire game. Yeah, because, like, it, it's... It's been a bit overstated that they suck, and it's like, yeah, they do suck, but mostly because they're just a useless diversion from getting to play Super Sonic, not because yeah. they're completely fucking well, broken. When you think about it, so there were, like, cut... There are people digging into the game, finding audio files that explain how to go supersonic in regular levels. So it was a feature that they were considering. And if you think about all the development time they spend on the big the cat stages... When they could have cut all that and just let you turn into supersonic, that would have been way better. And if I remember correctly, those are only in the game because Sega, because this was like their flagship game for their 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 big console, and they wanted to show off everything the Dreamcast could do, which is yeah. water. Yep. Uh, the, the from the design standpoint, I also remember them saying they wanted to kind of like break up the action and have something slower paced for people to do, uh, which is not a thing that should enter your brain. When you're designing a Sonic the Hedgehog game, it just should not. I wish more console sellers were like that. Like, imagine if like the Halo Three team they got told, "Hey, we're gonna, we're this is gonna be the big seller for the Xbox 360, so you have to have a dirt bike racing segment so we can show off the uh, dirt effects." <laughs> hey, quick question: You got mad at me when I uh, posted a thing about Halo, but you okay. did not respond. Like, what your problem I... was? You know, I wrote out a big thing, but I decided to delete it. I decided to <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we'll tweet through. I decided it. to be an adult. All right. <laughs> no, it's that like, is it's never like said... being an adult is never a decision that should come into play when you're on Twitter.com. Well, I should I should have done what Larry does and just uh, make a, like a really harsh reply <laughs> to mute it. Just like walk, just like drop a flashbang in the room and leave. Yep. But no, um, well, well I agree like with Halo you that Halo. I love Halo 2. It's one of my all-time favorite games. I don't feel strongly about Halo 2 one way or the other. I feel very strongly about Halo because I played those games a lot when I was 13. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, re I remember lugging CRTs over to my friend's place so we could just, like, hook them up to the CRTs and play it on, like, LAN. Uh, the end of Halo 2 is the angriest I've ever been in a video game. <laughs> really? Yep. Hell yeah. Really? Yep. It didn't... I was oh, I... pretty upset, too. I was surprised when I found out people were mad about it. I just it didn't bug me. Because they showed that stuff like in the pre-release yeah. footage that then was not in the game and then you get to the end where he's like we're going to finish the fight and then that's the end. 
It's like, oh, great. This I just spent this be... whole game, like, crapping around on a Halo that looks identical to the one in the first game. And I just, like, punched a profit a few times or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't like, basically, I like the beginning of 2, and then everything after that, no thanks. And it you just know, goes funny, to the Arbiter, Arbiter cool. the Chaos Emeralds, and it says try again, and I got very upset. Yeah, I like Arbiter. I mean, Halo yeah. 3 and Reach were my least favorite campaigns. The I mean, I'm is... not counting 4 and 5, because I think 4 and 5 are just worthless the thing is though i'm gonna say uh putting keith david like as your character is kind of cheating because that makes anything better and so like sure it doesn't really matter if arbiter is good or not he's voiced by keith david so i'm gonna like it if keith david voiced big the cat that probably would be like my favorite part of the <laughs> well, entire no. Sonic Adventure experience. <laughs> well, he's already voiced by uh duke nukem duke nukem that's right yeah it's just Duke Nukem comes into the studio is like, all right, how do you want me to play this character? Oh, like, you've been in a car accident. <laughs> like Gary Busey post-motorcycle accident. <laughs> they, told, they, told, they told John St. John uh, to put on his 9-11 face to voice Big Cat. <laughs> We'd like you to play this, like, post-orb Busey. <laughs> play oh, this God. like you're watching the Challenger explode on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, part of me going through these games like i said i wanted to get all the emblems uh, i talked about the different versions of the action stages but part of it is uh the mini games which for the most part those are easy there's the sand hill one where you're on like a a, a ski board this, basically yeah that one's wonky as hell it's got really good music the music in it that's is a, so good that's the thing with sonic adventure is that um, I posted this on Twitter before where it's like the difference between like the developers and the composers. The developers are like a bunch of monkeys at computers like slinging shit. And then the composer <laughs> yeah. is like Wolfgang, Amadeus, Mozart, Bach. I'm pretty sure like the, the coding process for Sonic Adventure was Yuji Naka like thrusting his balls onto a keyboard and just seeing what would come up on screen. Like when I listen to music like... Them. Like the E one oh two theme, I'm like, did these composers did they know they were working on Sonic? Did did someone tell them this was for a Sonic game? It's almost too good like well, so they told Crush forty. That I think those were the only people <laughs> that they told. They were and like they told they the other used... composers, they were like they're like, guys, we're making a soundtrack for a Mario game, like a cool Mario game. So and they're like, yeah. Oh Mario, okay, let's let's make some really good music then. And then they like see the final they see like the footage of like Speed Highway and they're like looking at each other like, What the fuck? Yeah, uh, th there is some music that is reused from Sonic 3D Blast, uh, but like the yes. arrangements for that stuff is pretty. Like the music in Sonic uh, 3D Blast is actually pretty good. The yes, game is like not the Twinkle, good. the Twinkle Park music. Uh, the yeah. from when you're uh, in the go kart is uh, from yeah. Sonic 3D Blast, and so is Windy Valley. Yeah, uh, I think there's some other stuff in there too, but I might be wrong. But like the the music in Sonic Adventure is great. I don't really think that there's any one track that I didn't like that i didn't like i a lot of them like have kind of just been earworms they've just stuck with me long after the fact we'll get to sonic adventure 2 completely different story i do not really? like the soundtrack to sonic adventure i love 2. i kind of i love it. the soundtrack in 2 there there is I like some it good better stuff. than one there there well i guess just talk about that now that the music for rouge the bat stages i actually really like that stuff for whatever oh, reason. i know it's really actually okay so the i know this because i'm a fucking freak the composer for the Rouge of the Bat <laughs> Well, that's stages. why you're on this episode of the podcast. She... Oh, yeah, they, they bring me on the podcast every time they need to talk about children's games. <laughs> I don't know why. But the Rouge of the Bat stages... System Shock, well-known children's game. They they were composed by the same woman who composed, like, the E-102 music 
So, oh, okay. And she also she composed Amy's theme, I think, too. But like, she's she has a very eclectic style. Where like uh, June Sanu's style in the game is very like hard rock, yeah, uh, electric guitars. She's the one who does a lot of the more out there stuff. Yeah, I I like the Rouge the Bat stuff. I like the Knuckles stuff for all the wrong reasons, which are the same reasons that I think that everybody likes it. I don't think you can be considered human if you don't like Pumpkin Hill. You know, the thing is, those the the raps are hilarious. Granted, yeah. I think the instrumentals are really solid. The the lyric "You're damn right, Knuckles" is probably one of the single greatest lyrics in any song that I've ever heard. But the like the Sonic stages, I I really don't. I hate City Escape's music. I really do. What? Oh, yeah, I, I've at never the been. time, That's... I didn't like it. City what? Escape is just like shitty pop punk. Yeah, I can't stand. The best thing to come out of City Escape is people just like mashing it up with other songs, like the Ghostbusters theme. Like that's great, but I, like I don't City like Escape. City Escape. You know what Weird. music I do love the most, and two is Shadows mm. stages. Shadow stages are are good, even though the lyrics are ridiculously grim dark. I love it. Well, the throw it all away. His theme. That's the same composer as the Rouge stages. Okay, uh, she actually she also from... she did all the Shadows music too, like the okay. drum and bass stuff and the jungle. Yeah, the the drum and bass thing in the jungle is pretty good. Um, I don't the the tails and Eggman music. I I have to like shut the volume off. I really can't stand really? that stuff because it's just I I find the tail stuff just to be like kind of annoying in a sugary sort of way and then the well, Eggman, Eggman ones might Eggman as well be just white Nine Inch Nails. nails. No, that's insulting to Nine Inch Nails. The <laughs> Eggman music sucks. Oh my god. god yeah, the, the, the music in uh, I appreciate that they went with completely different music styles for each character to try to kind of fit those characters but in the case of most of the characters I don't like the music that they went with. There's a few tracks that I think are good in that game. The rest of them no. But like Sonic Adventure 1 I love that soundtrack to death. I think that's like the last truly great Sonic soundtrack until Mania. Um, but I guess like kind of well, the, you know, the... Yeah. You know, it, well, it really sucks because I remember there was a narrative at the time that reviewers uh, hated the rock music in Sonic. They hated how like all the, you know, the fun music that had like guitars and stuff. Sure. So they switched to that boring ass orchestral shit. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. The, the music in, yeah, the music in like the games since then has been pretty forgettable for the most part, except for that time they got Hoobastank. I I still remember Fist Bump. Hoobastank. That's right. <laughs> See, if I made a digital Larry, it would have just been him saying Hoobastank, and I could hit the <laughs> Hoobastank button. <laughs> would have been that. I would have put him up to saying Vavavui, so whenever we talk about Rouge, I could just hit that button. Um. You should no, just, like you should cut up cut up Larry's speech so occasionally he'll just say like <laughs> I love Sonic. <laughs> just uh, obviously look, pasted together. The world is your oyster because that's all the world is. Uh, just cut up Larry's like past audio from the podcast so it just does all the lyrics to Pumpkin Hill and just end the podcast <laughs> with that. Um. Yeah, the, I'm the sure only other I have things said I... like. Unlike Sonic, I don't chuckle at some point. Well, you did now, so yeah, there you go. Exactly. That's not in the Pumpkin Hill it. lyrics. It's not? Yeah, that's a, that's in Knuckles' yeah, that's a, that's, song. That's unknown for me, the Sonic yeah. Adventure 1 version. Yeah. M period, E period, because you can also, it's like the Master Emerald. Yes. 
the second the second game that version of unknown from m period e period is different it doesn't have the unlike sonic i don't shuffle yeah it sucks uh so the okay. other couple things i want to say oh about... i love the sequel version <laughs> man you're really <laughs> pissing me off that's right <laughs> <laughs> i came here to upset larry now i'm upsetting both of you i'm a i'm a uh... grown man and you're getting me really angry about sonic <laughs> All right, there's the title. <laughs> the other couple things I, have to, I need to finish talking about Sonic Adventure 1. The Chow Races. I had to do them because they're part of the emblems. The Chow Races are even worse in this game than they are in the second, which I think kind of follows because it was their first time doing this. Um, it's, um, oh, what's the name of the system that they use? It's like A-Life or something like that. It's what they used in Nights into Dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit more complicated than the one in Nights into Dreams, though, but it yeah. is based on that. But, like, in Nights into Dreams, you had, like, the, the Meepians in the levels, and you could, like, bounce enemies into them, and they would take on features of the enemies, which is very similar to the Chow Garden in that you're taking animals, you're holding it up to their face, and they take on characteristics of the animals, and then their stats change. And you do this for an incredibly long amount of time in order to get them to run in these races. And the races are interminable. They all take just way too long to get through. And the ability to like boost ahead in it is randomized. So like a couple times in a race, uh, some sparkles will appear around a chow, not even yours necessarily. And if you hit a button, it will boost ahead. I don't know why he gave the option to do this because I can hit a button to make another chow win and not mine. Why would I do that? But like the especially annoying part of that too is it changes the camera. So I'm trying to just follow mine and see where mine is at, but then another chow gets the ability to boost. So it cuts over to that one and then I have to cycle back through all the chow just to get to mine. It's miserable. Um, there are thankfully only like 10 races that you need to get through to get all the emblems. There's substantially more in Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, but all in all, it maybe took me like two, three hours of just grinding to get the chow where I needed them to be. Uh, the unfortunate part about that is you can only get certain animals in certain stages. And so in some cases, like uh, when I needed to build power, I needed to do that in the volcano level. So I had to transfer my chow to, this, to the uh, mystic runes chow garden so it will be less of a trip than going back to station square and even then it's like a minute long run to get back there each time to drop the fucking animals off see i never played this shit as a kid because i just wanted to run fast as sonic that is the way to play sonic adventure some people would say because <laughs> you don't even get anything for the 130 emblems in sonic adventure one you just get them that's it you, now you, you have the all the bananas that's right i think I think in later releases, you get to play as, like, Metal Sonic. Yes, in Sonic Adventure DX, you get Metal Sonic. Uh, there are other, like, missions that are kind of strewn about the, like, um, the adventure fields that get you different Game Gear games, which really seems like more of a punishment than an award, but okay. Oh, also, Larry, since you brought up that uh, congratulations, you got all the banana, my friend yeah. and I used to quote that all the time for shitty 100%. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, completion. The congratulations. Yeah. You got all the bananas. Yep. Yeah. That Sonic Adventure man. Just congratulations. Uh, but I I did it because I insisted upon it. Because uh, I never did that in the original Sonic Adventure. I did it in DX because he got something for it, but not in Sonic Adventure. Now in um, the sequel for getting all the emblems, you get this really weird scene where Sonic goes on a really long twisted rant about his foreskin. 
He just <laughs> yeah. he goes yeah, really. It gets really weird, really personal. He has some bizarre things to say about Jewish people in it. I'm not sure what that was about. I think they Certain. censored that for battle. I heard stuff knocking over in the background. I don't know if maybe that was like Ryan Drummond just going off script, but <laughs> that's the reason they didn't bring him back for any more games. But I, I think they should have given you like an extra level at the end or something. That was just that that, that was just weird. Maybe it was uh, like Ryan a translation Drummond, error. Ryan Drummond did a podcast, and now he can't play Sonic anymore. <laughs> maybe in the original <laughs> Japanese text, it makes sense. I thought it was really weird when Ryan German went on Sargon's show, but, uh... <laughs> well. Today, what is it, Today in Stupid? Uh, Ryan German was on there. Oh, God. So, uh, Sonic Adventure, the first, um, I, at the time that it came out, it meant a lot to me because, of course, it's like, oh, Sonic the Hedgehog in 3D for the first time. They didn't do that on the Sega Saturn. Uh, the Sega Saturn didn't do well partly because of it. Um... But being able to, like, hear the characters talk and everything in an actual game and kind of seeing, like, what they could do with a more fleshed-out story for Sonic oh, no. the Hedgehog was interesting to me. Yeah, and then, like, as a kid, being very impressed with it and then coming back to it as an adult, and it's just the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, like, at least, like, as far as if you compare it to the plot of Sonic Adventure 2, I like it a whole lot more because it still feels like a sort of logical narrative progression off of like the Genesis games, it's still kind of lighthearted, but See, takes itself think, like a little seriously. I think you, I think you intentionally tortured yourself though with all these emblems because the way I way I play it is I just play the Sonic levels and then I put it down and I'm done, and I still love the game very much. Yeah, I, I kind of like the Tails levels too, to be honest. I've never, um, I've never said to myself I need to play those Amy levels right now. Oh, those are <laughs> yeah, those are those are pretty bad. Uh, although Zero has a great theme. By that, I'm talking about Zero for Mega Man. I just wanted to bring it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. It was neat seeing, like, a, a more fleshed-out plot, and then, you know, when you come back to it, it kind of just is a ridiculous, poorly-acted thing uh, with characters that their bodies are constantly glitching out. You know uh, what was really weird to me, even as a kid, about Sonic Adventure 1's plot? Hmm. So, at the ending, Station Square gets completely 9-11, like, destroyed. Oh, yeah. Put and on your station like, square and, face. And Tails like, well, all's well that ends well. <laughs> yeah. Around this like this like Tails, what the fuck? This like super Katrina nightmare. <laughs> None of these people have homes anymore. I want to see like, okay. This, this is like the greatest national disaster in American history, and Tails is just like, yeah, yeah. Well. Sonic Sonic objectively loses at the end of that game. Like he fails to protect Station Square. Like, he puts Chaos back in the Master Emerald. So, like, okay, cool. I guess he won't destroy any other cities, but, like, a bunch of people died because Sonic, like, yeah. decided to sleep under a tree and not do his job. Uh, I w So, speaking of this stuff, because I can't have these kind of conversations with Larry, but I can with you because you also understand Sonic lore in the same way my diseased brain does. Mystic Ruins and Station Square, do those... Are they on Angel Island? Yes or no? Hmm, it's complicated. I think that they are. Because, like, otherwise, Angel Island is what? Just the little tiny thing with the Master Emerald and that that's it? Like, the way that they all connect but makes it seem like they're see all the, on the same island. When you look at the way it crashes into the waves in the opening cutscene, mm -hmm. I assume it's connected. Yeah, but it's just so weird because, like, it would, I don't know, it just feels like it would destroy everything. 
my weird head cannon, my my fucked up sonic brain is like, oh, Station Square. That must be where like the Neutronic High Zone from Chaotix is, because it's on like it's near city. And then I think about like if the bad ending of that game was canon, Station Square got fucking burned to the ground, and then it got flooded later on, and like I don't know why anyone would live there anymore. Anyway, this is the kind of shit I think about because I played too much Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't recommend well, don't, anyone listening that's... to this does the same. Well, that's that's what I thought when I last played Sonic Adventure 1. I was like, this is like a horrible disaster. This is like a tragedy. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. But then Robotnik blows up the moon in the second game, and you have to think about the damage that would cause. It's like the so. events of Ultimatum just happen in like the Sonic universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the blob eats Amy. <laughs> um... Hey, to be here, fair, the plot of Sonic Adventure is better than Ultimatum. That's true. Uh, I will ask you something. I posited this question to George while he was ranting at me about Sonic Adventure the other day. I just, like, <laughs> in the middle of it, was like, Is Knuckles Wonder Woman? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, he is. Like, he's just, he's from his own island where he's basically, like, the only one of his kind, except for that other. Wait, you said she's, like,. Nancy, she's from, from a different time. It's a call of the spirit. Yeah, yeah. she's oh. she's trapped her soul inside the Master Emerald to soothe chaos. Okay, so she's physically physically she's dead. So basically, Knuckles is the last Amazon entering the world of man or hedgehog. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely of hedgehog, not of except man. except Knuckles has an actual actor. They're man. They're they're just like regular guys, like out on the streets. Just, I'm going to edit the scene of her saying Kalel no with oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's a better line read? Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I the thing that I think people don't bring up enough about the oh no thing, because it's always knuckles, but every character has an oh no in that game. Not like it's not every character. Let me reel that back a bit. Well, that one they, fight scene, if you fight against like Sonic, Sonic he, he, will he say sounds oh the same. No. Yeah. It's like where they directed that way, like, hey, can you say oh no in the most flattest yes. way possible? Like the answer is yes. <laughs> like oh, you God, just noticed that... your dog say oh no, like you just noticed your dog peed on like the wood floor, but it's not like a hard cleanup, it's like you just have to wipe it down, but it still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and voice direction is such a weird thing in general. Like it seems like most people are very bad at it. Yeah. Like, uh, well that's do you know like why uh the like the kids in the old Peanuts cartoons talk that weird way? No. Well, for one thing, they were voiced by actual kids, but the other thing is because the voice director talked like that, and they were just mimicking him. Oh, weird. Like, he would say everything like it was a question, like that, apparently, uh, and so that's why everyone talks like that in those things. Yeah, the upward inflection at the end of every sentence thing is like one of the worst verbal tics. To that me. guy, I that guy was maybe it. the original himbo. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> There's something very uncomfortable about a himbo directing the peanuts to me. Uh, you know, because when I when I studied theater in college, that was like the big thing they had to break for most actors was smiling while talking and ending everything in a question. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I um, hate it. Yeah, me too. Um, but I guess uh, I should talk briefly about the way that the game progresses because it does lead into Sonic Adventure 2. I'm which is Ron that Burgundy? You have... <laughs> what? You have... <laughs> you... What the fuck was I talking about? All right, the adventure fields. <laughs> so 
in this game, they wanted to do a Sonic RPG, and some of the remnants of that is you go into a level, and when you come out of it, you're in this open world, and you need to solve these very rudimentary puzzles to get to the next level. It is easily um, the most worthless open world in any is. game. There, There is some good stuff in there, though. Specifically, I do think it's a game where it's worth talking to every single NPC, because they have these little like storylines that progress throughout the game and change based on events that occur uh, that that you know you're responsible for like opening up the casino and stuff like that. Uh, there's I mean, one in particular. Still, it's still a little mm -hmm. depressing because uh, canonically those people get completely drowned in a horrific death that no one deserves. Yeah, but so talk about depressing. There is one of those side stories with an NPC where a kid is very upset because his mom has a gambling addiction and she's constantly going and blowing all their money in Casinoopolis. And so you can follow this throughout the entire game, and there's times where you can go up and talk to her, and she's having a dialogue with herself where she's like, I'm never doing that again. Like, I lost all the money. I can't go back there. And you'll go back the next night, and the kid's outside the casino crying and going, like, my mom's in there. She's spending all her money again. There's, like, one of a guy who is cheating on his girlfriend with another woman, and they eventually catch him and just start, like, screaming at him in public. The NPCs in that game are so fucking weird. The NPCs have more dynamic characters than the main cast. Yes, they have actual character arcs in the game. <laughs> There's like, a lady like the girl who, who like... starts working at the uh, sandwich shop because her yes! crush works there. Yeah, she wants to approach him at the sandwich shop, but she can't like get over her fear. So eventually, this just manifests in her getting a job there, so she can be closer to him. These people it's... all get drowned. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> So in Sonic Adventure 2, they decided to hell with that. We're not doing any of that shit ever again. Uh, and in some regards, that's a good idea. Um, I, I will say this last thing about Sonic Adventure, and we'll move on, but the Chaos 4 boss fight is maybe the lowest point in all of Sonic Adventure. Oh my Because God, you have to fight it with three different characters. Yeah, it, it I, takes I think forever. The one in the pond is worse, I think. That's the one I'm talking about. That's Chaos 4. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the one on the egg carrier that you fight with, like, every single character. That one is less bad because if you have Sonic's light speed attack, it, it kills him I mean, in, like, yeah, two you, hits. You can cheese it. The Chaos yeah. 4 one, you just have to, like, you have to, like, pull out a book or start doing, like, your taxes. Yeah, because he'll just... Dishes. He'll just stay underwater. Well, you can't even do that because if you stand there, you actually get sucked under and you die, so you still have to be, like, moving around. It's that's frustrating. A, that's... That's a feature put in by some complete asshole game designer. Yeah, well, they knew that you, you would get up and go do something else. What's this about Sonic getting sucked? Did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's talk about Rouge the Bat. Okay. Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2. I love this game. That's okay. Um, Why are you just no, now Sonic getting Adventure... to 2? Just now getting to 2. I warned you. I said split the episode into two parts. You didn't listen to me. You're spending longer on this than we did on Justice League. I, or I, I told you, didn't I, he would underestimate the amount of shit we had to say about Sonic the Hedgehog? I said so. so the yeah. Sonic Adventure games, there's a lot, they're very twisting, uh, complicated narratives. Oh, yeah. There's a lot yeah, to discuss. Very, a lot very to dense. Yeah. Just yes. packed full like, of... Well, would you only you need stuff? Would you need one podcast to talk about Sallow? No, you'd probably need two. It's the same with yeah. Sonic. <laughs> These games are coded. One. These games are coded like a Rube Goldberg machine. For fuck's sake, like there's a lot to just untwist. Uh, 
so Sonic Adventure 2, when this was coming out, like... What do you think a Rube Goldberg machine is? Uh, it's where you make toast, but it takes, like, an entire <laughs> Pee Wee Herman intro yeah. sequence to get through. Okay, well, they're generally uh, not, like, twisted up. Uh, I don't know they're... what that analogy was. Larry is desperately trying to get off Sonic. Yeah. Drawing it back to Sonic, then. Uh, so Sonic Adventure was the thing that I wanted a Dreamcast for back in the day, was just to play that. Uh, I had one by the time Sonic Adventure 2 came out, and I remember seeing, like, a bunch of magazine screens of it, and, like, oh, there's this, like, evil hedgehog in the game. Like, what's that about? That bat has titties. What? Uh, I'm glad that I was as old as I was when that game came out. Otherwise, I might have been very confused by that. Uh, a lot of jiggle physics going on in that game. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, a weird thing about that game, actually, that I just figured out recently was apparently they did motion capture for all the characters. Which explains a lot about why characters move the way they do in Sonic Adventure 2. They were probably a little insecure about how bad the uh, animation looked in one. Maybe, but like... The thing is, too, with Sonic Animation is apparently they continue to use mocap up until uh, Sonic Colors. Well, see, and it's funny because I think I think the mocap in two doesn't look that bad. Like, oh, I think it looks, I think it looks pretty. Really, bad. I think I think the 06 mocap looks god awful. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, like, like I'm not saying it's cartoonish. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the worst in that game compared to anything else, but like, it's it's still pretty awkward and bad. And then like. We kind of had mentioned the jump over to DX ends up making the game graphically worse. There's similar issues in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, uh, which is the version of the game that came out for the GameCube, and it's the version that has been kind of, you know, re-released time and time again. You can't really go back and enjoy original Sonic Adventure 2 without going to the Dreamcast, in the same way you can't enjoy Sonic Adventure 1. So one of the things that is the most disturbing to me about battle and i don't know if you've noticed this but for some reason amy's teeth don't render so every scene she's in yes. she's just gumming it and it's horrifying <laughs> and so once as, once you see it you can't stop seeing it yeah and so going back to sonic adventure 2 the original version of it and seeing amy had teeth it felt like a huge weight off my shoulders like i wasn't going to be screaming and hiding under covers every time she was in a scene. Um, but this this game, uh, when it was coming out, kind of changed quite a bit. The original version of it, they just wanted to have Sonic, uh, Knuckles, and Eggman as the only playable characters. Uh, Shadow was originally going to look a hell of a lot more like Sonic and also be missing an eye for some reason, uh, which trying to imagine that on a Sonic character with their big interconnected eyes, just one side of it being missing <laughs> is really weird to think about. He was Big Boss. Uh, oh. Big Boss. But there's a bit early on in the game where, like, Amy confuses Shadow for Sonic and Eggman does the same thing. Makes more sense off his original character design, but apparently they just never bothered to change those bits of dialogue. It, you, so could, just... you could really you can really tell that some of the levels were uh, not planned. Like, all the Tails oh. levels are just fucking horrible. Yes, there is a lot so of those... just completely reusing other characters levels to get more content out of the game yeah tails levels feel really thrown together whereas the eggman stages feel a little bit more uh structured and designed yeah they're they're definitely more thoughtful for the eggman stages both of them are and, entirely too long and i get the impression that the uh, shadow stages were originally sonic levels that they just transplanted to him 
that they're not right. they're, they're really good levels i think yeah because like a uh, sky rail i think that there's screenshots of sonic in that level and i, I think white jungle and radical highway are really good levels yeah yeah they're the, all the shadow levels are pretty good um so I guess I actually probably should just break down the three modes of play in the game. And since we already kind of talked about the Eggman and Tails levels, those are basically uh, carrying over what the E-102 Gamma levels were. They're the shooting levels, except now it's much worse because you have a rotation on the characters that's like mapped to the other stick. And it feels very, very, very bad. Uh, there's a lot of times where it just seems like I can't line up targets because it doesn't want to turn the way that I want it to turn. Um, I don't know if that's something that you ran into. Uh, I also feel that the, those characters move so sluggishly, and like if you have to jerk them back in another direction, it just feels like uh, I, I I just really don't like how kind of slow and clumsy they feel. And then their levels are like ten minutes long. Oh my god, I know they're they're gauntlets. Yeah, Long especially eternal eternal engine. Uh, the tail stage on the space colony arc, it just never ends. Yeah, it just goes on I've, forever like this podcast. I've been <laughs> there. How I've are been you like... doing? Are you getting enough fluids over there? Uh, I'm shopping for comics at the moment. Okay. What I've been uh, Sonic Adventure 2 so many times, and I still don't remember uh, all of Eternal Engine. I I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I remember every last bit of it. Um, I, I really don't like those stages. I think that they're probably the worst ones in the game. Uh, which is bad because it's a third of the game. And uh, let me tell you, the treasure hunting stages, I don't like them that much more. Uh, I think that those also are just taking a concept that was all right in the first game and just running it into the ground. The ones inside Eggman's base in the desert especially are just fucking god-awful. Like, where you got to get the keys. I don't get why they felt so, like... They felt so insecure about just having like a short game where you run fast. I don't because at that point in time it was just a like, you know, the value of a game was based on how long it was. Like that's kind of the direction that gaming was going in. Because like, that way you charge like, for a full price product, it's got to be like forty hours of gameplay in here. Because a game like if like Sonic Adventure was just like the Sonic stages, maybe a little bit more varied, and you could just replay them over and over again. I think it'd still be fun. Yeah, it was like Sonic, I, and, Sonic the Hedgehog two. No one says, "Oh, that game is just running fast." Yeah, and and that is the the last third of the game, just being the speed stages. I like those quite a bit. I think that they play better than they do in the original Sonic Adventure. You're not getting kind of like hung up on things the same way that you were. Grinding yes. feels very awkward because it's still based on like what direction you're kind of leaning in to get the most speed, which is something that the, I think, understandably, they got rid of that pretty much immediately. The only, the only problem I have with two's uh, speed gameplay is that they map everything to one button, which is yes, the stupidest, so, the stupidest idea in the whole world. Yeah. So there's a lot of times where you end up doing a roll when you want to do a light speed dash, or like the the light speed dashes in general also just feel like they don't line up properly. So when you get the bounce attack as Sonic, is where light speed dashing completely falls apart because that's mapped to the same button. And if you are not dead on with a string of rings to do the lightspeed dash, which is needed always to bridge a large, like, death gap, you will just, like, drop straight down in the bounce move and kill yourself. 
And like I that is where most A rank runs for me died was getting to a string of rings and just dropping myself down through the level. I know there's like a modding scene for Sonic Adventure 2. And I think that is a like priority one, the top of the list, bullet pointed, is map things to different buttons. Yeah. There were... I don't understand why they there I don't so know many why they did that on in the, the first Dreamcast place. controller. They could have done that. Like you had yeah. there's triggers not... on the controller. Map something to the trigger. It's like they were designing it for the fucking like Atari gamepad. Uh, yeah, it's just everything's mapped to one. I think it's like part of it is still maybe a um the the way that other Sonic games were designed is they were like one button games, and so I think that maybe they were still carrying that design ethos forward. Except by this point, you wanted the characters to do so much that one button doesn't cut it. Uh, and and so a lot of like you know good smooth runs in a Sonic stage end up falling apart for that reason that everything's just mapped to one button. Um, and so the, the way that this game divides itself is there's a hero story, there's a dark story, and then there's a final story, similar to how there was a, a supersonic one for Sonic Adventure, and I hate the story, and I think it's terrible, and I don't like it, and it's very bad, and it's the point where everything fell apart for Sonic, and it hurt me. I like this story a lot. No, now you're making me mad about Sonic. <laughs> I think it's a fun little story. This is the, the point where everything got real grim dark, and this is what gave us fucking yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog in Sonic 2006, yeah. and it was a mistake. The grim dark is fun. No, it's not. It's yeah, it's I fun. don't like seeing Grandpa Robotnik go, I'm going to kill all you. I'm going to do a genocide. Hate it. Nah, I think it's cool. Oh, God. I don't. The, I think, the president uh, Joe... of the United States should never be part of a Sonic the Hedgehog plot, ever. Gerald Robotnik in front of the firing squad talking about how much he hates humanity and he's going to kill them all. I do think it's pretty funny how they let him like line up his entire plot about what would happen in great detail and then did nothing about it. (laughs) Couldn't go up and decommission that space station that he said he was going to drop on everybody. George, you got to remember, I love Spawn. I really like Spawn. (laughs) So I am like, I'm geared for this kind of stuff. All right. I guess that makes sense. I do like Robotnik blowing up half the moon, and then the moon is intact in later games, and someone finally called them on it, and they're like, ah, the moon turned around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, you could tell the game came out before 9-11 because of that. Oh, yeah. No, they had to pull the game like Metal Gear Solid 2 and start scrubbing stuff out of it. Because it came um, out March 2001, I think. Yeah, the, Just... and so... Speaking of Sonic lore stuff, there's stuff about this game that just, this is also the point where, like, the the through line of Sonic starts to fall apart for me. And and the biggest one that has bothered me since I, since the game came out is, why the fuck is the Master Emerald changing in size constantly? Explain this to me, because I still don't understand. Hmm. In the first scene, I it's think... regular sized. In, in like, a I later scene... I think you scene, might be... I think you might be reading into the Sonic lore a bit too much. We're he pulled it out of his pocket. Minutes. I know, I warned you. <laughs> I told you this would happen. Call this Just episode cut. the Davis cut. <laughs> Just cut the episode in half. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He pulls it out and it's tiny. It makes no sense to me. It bothers me. I hate it. Anyway. It's not um, about the listener. Look, that, that's the thing. I don't care if they're subjected to this. I want to be done with this. <laughs> The thing. <laughs> I, I will say this is the last Sonic game uh, besides Mania that I love because I hated Heroes. Even when it came out and yeah, I was Heroes a small was drooling child, I hated Heroes. Heroes was a Spider-Man 3 situation for me where I got a waves into it and was just like, wait a minute. I don't think this is very good. 
Um, you know, Sonic 06 was like, so you know how when you're like, when you are young, you don't really notice that games suck ass. You're yeah. just kind of like playing them. I feel like uh, games, two games in particular, Earthworm Jim 3D and Sonic 06 were the first games I played that I really just like, I just was like, oh, these are terrible. This is bad. Yeah, Earthworm Jim 3D definitely did that for me. Like, yeah. Gex didn't do it for me. but <laughs> No, I love Gex. Earthworm Jim 3D was so bad, and Sonic 06 was so bad, that I was like, whoa, these games are, like, badly made. I didn't think that could happen. Those are pretty far yeah, apart, been... though. Yeah, there's been a lot of games on my list where I remember liking them a whole lot as a kid and going back to them and then realizing, like, no, I think as a kid I just liked this because I was a dumb kid. Um, I'm playing Rogue Squadron. Unrelated to anything, I just wanted to mention it. Rogue Squadron is well, so good. Anyway. Um, do you have anything more to say about uh, Mr. the Hedgehog? Yes, I went and got all the emblems in this game. Why did I do this? That is my other question to I, you, Dylan. <laughs> Please answer. I, I don't know why you keep doing Because you said that you, you did the same in Gex, didn't you? You got all the remotes? No, I didn't get all the remotes. Okay, okay, good, good, um, good. Yeah, that actually seems like a much more insurmountable task to me. Uh, so the thing about Sonic Adventure 2 is I have gotten all the emblems twice over before this. I, I did it in the original game. I did it in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Uh, I tried to do it in battle again on Steam and then found out after my hard drive uh, ate shit that it doesn't save the saves to the cloud, and so I kind of gave up. But I wanted to go back and do it again. You get the Green Hill level. It's Green Hill. It's in 3D. They've never done that before, and they haven't done it since. It's the only way that you can play Green Hill again outside of putting Sonic 1 into a Genesis. So, you know, I had to, I needed to raise a bunch of chow. And so I cheated, because uh, I didn't want to do that. Well, George well, certainly I... put on his 9-11 face. <laughs> I, I, I air quotes cheated. There is a, this is my recommendation for anyone who wants to raise the chow on Sonic Adventure 2. If you stand at the right distance away from your chow and you drop an animal, it will enter into the animation and it will get the stat benefit, but it will drop the animal, and so you can keep reusing it over and over and over again. And I swear to God, this cuts like 10 hours off the playtime. This oh, is the only way I've ever... Here's my excuse. You cheated what? to be... Oh, okay, uh, do it again. This time correctly. <laughs> I didn't... Here's the thing about cheating in Sonic Adventure 2. Using glitches is permissible, because what the fuck does a glitchless run of Sonic Adventure 2 even look like? That game is so fucking broken. I don't think it's possible to play that game without glitching somehow. And frankly, this has always been part of the game. They didn't fix it for Sonic Adventure 2. It's always been in there. It's completely valid. This is the way speedrunners <laughs> do it, damn it. I played the game efficiently. Here's my advice for anybody who wants to get all of the emblems in Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> uh, make sure that the garage door is closed. Uh, get a garden hose. Attach it to the uh, tailpipe around it. Well, you're skipping a step. Preferably your make and model of your car is like, you know, it's before like 2006. That way the emissions are where they need to be. Well, yeah. But I bet you can get there even with a later car. Well, you might just end up getting, you might end up just getting brain damaged and playing the rest of the Sonic games. That's the problem. True. I mean, even if, if you're playing on a Dreamcast in a closed room, the fumes coming from your Dreamcast <laughs> might kill you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got tinnitus from the fucking disk drive. Ah, oh, my ears. Oh, I forgot when I every time I replay the Dreamcast, I forget how fucking loud the thing is. Yeah, hell yeah. 
pull the ripcord on that thing, start it up, play some Power Stone. Uh, yeah, so I the Chow stuff was... Uh, I also made a mistake, so it took longer than I expected anyway, because there's the regular Chow races, challenge races, there's hero races, there's dark racers, there's a bunch of different races. But the, the hero and the dark ones, they can only be raced by hero Chow or dark Chow, respectively, or a neutral Chow. So the way that you're supposed to do it is you just raise a neutral Chow that's really good, it can do all the races, and then you just quickly raise a dark and a hero Chow to unlock those cups. I fucking forgot about that, so I had to raise two goddamn Chow all the way to, like, the max. I hate my life, and I hate the choices that I've made in my life. <laughs> George, man, I don't know why you, why you would do this to yourself. I, I need a Green Sonic. Hill. I love Sonic Adventure 2, and I would never do this. Just download someone's save file Hill. online. No. It's unacceptable. That's cheating too much. Uh, but besides that, you have to get all the A-rings and all the missions, and, like, man, they actually make that, like, really tough in this game. Like, that's it's pretty trivial to do that in later titles, but, like, in this one, if you botch a run even slightly, like a third into the level, just restart the level. Like, you miss one yeah. trick in City Escape, go back to the start. That's why I think the extra characters are so worthless, because the ranking system gives you enough reason to replay the Sonic stages, and it's like, why do you even need yeah. the, the tail stages? You can just you, try to master Metal Harbor. But you know what the absolute worst part of the game is? Because it's not even the child stuff, and it's not even the A-rank stuff. It's those, like, go-kart levels. Yes, those, those are, are fucking horrible. Those are except the for absolute Rouge, lowest point. Except Rouge's penis car. <laughs> yeah. Um, those levels are just... They're very slippery. Uh, you cannot regain speed very quickly if you. you end up... <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you hit a wall or you hit other cars, you lose speed and it's hard to get back. And then to make things worse, like... They can't just do the same mission types they do for the rest of the levels. So it has to be stuff like beat the level, but don't touch any other cars. Don't touch the walls. And those get like borderline impossible to finish those and to get an A-rank. But I did it. Because I'm a wow, sicko. Wow, great. Congratulations. I just want you to all respect the levels of self-harm I will go through for this fucking list. There are uh, two people I have no respect for uh, Young adult authors and you <laughs> So So hopefully for the next episode You'll have me on to talk about like um, I don't know Persona 2 uh, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Some other kids property I think we already talked about Ninja Turtles didn't we Larry uh, Yeah we did because I remember probably. defending Hyperstone Heist Oh we'll talk about Power Rangers then Um uh, we already did that too. I talked about how a lot of people yeah. were very homophobic on the set of Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah. We'll talk yeah, about I, Frogger. We should have you back to tell well, us just about all the other Power Ranger series we never watched. Tell me all oh, about Turbo. Oh, I could absolutely do that. Yeah. Tell me I all could about absolutely do that. Time Force. I don't know. Because I checked out. Uh, with the Turbo movie was the last thing I watched. I didn't watch any of the show. Well, I'm currently watching uh, the last series they did. I'm a grown man, so <laughs> I could definitely do that for you. Okay, great. I'm... Look, man, I'm 33 years old, and I got all the emblems in Sonic Adventure 2 a few weeks ago. There's no judgment here. Oh, I'm judging you. I'm the... I'm the... Well, I'm not from me. I'm not judging anyone else. Well, no, you're all you free can't. to judge me. I did this. I did this in public. When you're at the I bottom, just... you can't judge other people. <laughs> 
There's going to be a videotape of George, uh, like, against a firing squad, like Gerald Robotnik, talking about how he's going to crash his space call in the Ark into Earth. I just, real quick, I, I want to mention this thing that happened to us online a while back, because Dylan and I talked about this. Okay. There's oh my a God. whole thread of, yeah, like, weird role players who, like, had a beef with us on another forum. And so they did this whole thread about just different ways they were role-playing killing us. And the way that they killed me was they fired up the the cannon on the space colony arc to destroy me. I could only be defeated through the full power of the seven Chaos Emeralds. And I thought and I that think... was weird, because on that forum, Larry was the more the more aggressive one towards them. Yes, but here, I, dis- I this is where I disagree. It takes the full power of the seven Chaos Emeralds to destroy me, because I'm the exact kind of hardened that would beat both Sonic Adventures getting all the emblems. You need something big to kill me. <laughs> Larry wouldn't do that because Larry's weak But me, I'm strong It's because I have sense Not because I'm weak <laughs> How did they kill Larry in that thread? I don't remember I, don't tell me, uh, They I don't threw remember. like a They threw a fireball at him I think Yeah, that's it. boring <laughs> Yeah, but, well there was a I won't get I'm not going to get too into it But they, they left uh, HTML code embedding on their posts And I remember doing some pretty fun stuff with that Just like <laughs> Layering the flying toast background image a bunch of times and doing other weird shit, but but yeah, yeah, I wanted to bring it up because I still frequently think about the eclipse cannon I, thing in that thread. I I I told George I reread that thread very regularly, like it's a classic piece of literature. As uh, yeah, it's up there, one of the all time great bits of internet shit that has happened to me. Yeah, uh, ratings for Sonic Adventure. I'm going to rate them out of 180 possible emblems. Uh, Sonic Adventure 1 is probably like 150 emblems. I, I think it's all right. Um, but a lot of that, I think, is nostalgia carrying it for me. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 is like 10 emblems. I fucking hate that game. I, I hate Sonic more Ad- that I did this for the third time. I gave Sonic Adventure 1 a 7 out of 10. Pretty good. Oh, like I gave Sonic Adventure cell. 2. I gave Sonic Adventure 2 a <laughs> 9 out of 10. I love that game. Oh, like oh a chaos God. theory. Both, both soundtracks are uh, <laughs> ten out of ten. And then I oh. give the uh, the role playing forum where George gets killed with the space colony <laughs> arc. That's a perfect ten, baby. That's I'm with you on that one. Great piece yeah. of literature. Yes, it is. Larry, what's your ratings for Sonic Adventures? I don't care. Neither of you are going to be on this again. <laughs> it's just going to be me forever now. <laughs> it's just. You reading Silent Hill Wikipedia entries is what the yeah. podcast is going to be now. Sure. All right. Yeah, sure. It's ge- great. <laughs> this was enough to destroy oh. two friendships. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks for having me on again, fellas. You know, I actually know the episode will have you back on. It's Donkey Kong 64. Oh, fuck no. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's so the we're going to do this. That's yeah. where I draw the. That's where I draw the line. I did not get hundred percent in Donkey Kong sixty four because I've done it in the past and I have, I have photographic evidence of this. And when we get to that episode, I'm just going to have the thumbnail be that evidence, so I'm not questioned on it. But until then, uh, I I'm George Brundle. Anyway, that's Larry not... was here and also Dylan. Uh, goodbye, dinosaurs. Click. At the episode on him admitting he 100% in DK64, I want the audience to like think about that, to sit on that.
I mean, look. This is the kind of sick I am. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Maybe in some French Panthers, fresh and blood. I've got this training for you. Your brother, they call me Batman. Your sister, we know she's Wonder Woman. I'm sleeping Sundays. I could be hyperpractic. The whole family gets in shape under the floodlights. People tell me I'm not strong. I can seem to find the right church. I'll be a good sport, be a good sport, I'll be a sportsman.